For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. All of the papers this morning uh, carry the tragic death, the murder of a 28-year-old Brazilian girl, Bruna Fonseca, front of this morning's Echo. Talk of it today, their headline, Bruno, Bruna, ex-partner on murder charge with a photograph of Miller Pacheco, 29-year-old, uh, also from Brazil, but living on Liberty Street, appeared before a special sitting of Cork District Court, charged in connection with the death of his former partner uh, on New Year's Day on Liberty Street. All of the red tops carry the story today. I'll be returning to it in a few minutes' time. The Mirror this morning charged with ex-girlfriend's murder. Bruno Fonseca, 28 years old, lived on Liberty Street. Uh, and the story in the papers this morning, uh, talk of her ex-boyfriend, Employed but in receipt of a low income, remanded in custody. A translator will be required for the brief hearing, according to uh, this morning's Red Tops. Um, uh, Bruna, um, she qualified as a librarian, graduated in Brazil in 2018, moved to Cork in September of the year just gone and was working as a contract cleaner in the Mercy University Hospital. Uh, Bruna X is charged with her murder, according to this morning's Sun Front and Inside Pages and many pages dedicated to this awful, awful sad story found beaten and strangled in a flat. Uh, The detective as part of the investigation told the judge, uh, I asked him if he understood the charge and he replied through an interpreter that he did and he replied, nothing to say. As I say, uh, Bruna moved to Cork last September with her boyfriend uh, of five years and was working here. Very popular with members of the Brazilian community in the city. A lot of her friends visibly upset. They sat in the back of the courtroom, according to the, the Sun this morning. Uh, and of course, many papers carry photographs of the man who made no reply to Gardi when they charged him with the murder of his former partner. His name is Miller Pacheco, a 29-year-old in custody. Um, there are other stories of um, lots of incidents across the country, across Cork and across Munster over the Christmas period. Like the Echo this morning talks of a man who's been arrested for questioning in Cork after a 59-year-old man almost bled to death after sustaining a slash wound to the head on New Year's Day. Now, the Gardaí had a very, very important part to play in this. Now, they were called to the house on the Magazine Road shortly before 5 o'clock on New Year's Day. Um, and they found um, the, the man in the house with very serious wounds. And if it wasn't, and apparently the allegation is that serious injuries have been struck with a bottle and at risk of bleeding to death, and by all accounts, uh, when the guardie found him, of course, they obviously called um, for paramedics and for backup, but he was bleeding so heavily that the guardie um, compressed the head wound. Um, and I imagine that made all of the difference with regards to uh, the man's condition, if it wasn't for the intervention of the guardie Shikona. Then an ambulance was called and he was taken to the CUH. I'll have more on that in, in, a, in a few minutes' time. But over in Killarney, then, you have six people who have been held after violence in um, the hotel uh, in Killarney, where you have many hundreds of people who are living now. This is a a large-scale incident involving suspected stabbings 
at Hotel Killarney on New Year's Day. So six arrests there, originally I think four, and then a subsequent two added to that, um, and they remain in, in Garda custody. Uh, like the Red Tops pick up on that and say that four were stabbed in an asylum seeker's knife fight, apparently. Uh, and without wanting to be too... Uh, gruesome about it. One victim's fingers were left hanging off, apparently, with regards to these stab wounds. So it's a row, apparently, according to the Mirror, between two groups of foreign nationals at the hotel housing asylum seekers um, and at least four stabbed. Um, the papers go into it in quite some detail uh, this morning. Like, for instance, the examiner pick up on it and say that locals down in Killarney are none too happy about it. And they're saying, and one of them was quoted as saying that it is not racist for locals down here to have concerns about how people are being integrated into our community. And apparently it was so bad in the hotel that the Independent this morning is saying that staff at the hotel uh, where men were stabbed and there was uh, a lot of fighting and stabbing and, and wounds, that they, the staff wouldn't enter the building yesterday morning and bid fears for their lives and their safety. So the Gardaí did the best they could, of course, but it doesn't mean that anybody is happier to go to work, um, that there's still an awful lot of tension there. Uh, the Mail says Kerry Hotel Stabbings puts the whole asylum seeker refugee system into the spotlight now with migrant groups and locals questioning, why would you have 400 people of 16 different nationalities under one roof? And it leads to multiple stabbings at a direct provision centre uh, on New Year's Day. In fact, we have had a record number of those seeking asylum in Ireland this year, according to the Irish Times, where they say that over 13,319 people from around the world uh, sought asylum in Ireland during 2022 alone. The total That total is actually in addition uh, to almost 70,000 people who fled the war in Ukraine and were granted protection in Ireland during 2022 alone. So it is a staggeringly high figure. Uh, if you look at figures, stats and statistics, and I'll come back to many of those stories in a, in a few minutes, as I say, but our health crisis goes from bad to worse. Now, we seem to have um, a, a triple whammy going on at the moment. You've got uh, an increase in COVID cases. You have a very serious flu virus, and you also have a very invasive strep issue going on. So the public are being urged to stay away from emergency departments, not just the CUH and the HSC have given um, you know, a lot of press briefings on this and people have been told it really needs to be your last port of call. The same for the Mercy, but also in places like Limerick and, and other hospitals like that, because they are just involved in an endless cycle of fighting fires. Uh, and so that's the story that makes the mirror today. The health crisis goes from bad to worse with the amount of patients on trolleys, the amount of COVID confirmed cases and the amount of people who are waiting for a bed. It's all added to a surge in various winter illnesses. Uh, and it seems to be going from bad to worse. Meanwhile, of course, on other health-related matters and, and somewhat lighter news without having a complete downer to the first programme of the new year, water, apparently, it's the key to life. Uh, mind you, it depends on who you're talking to. Some say that water alone, without hydration tablets in it, is pure useless, regardless of how much you drink. But others are saying that it is actually the key to a long life. And the Mail this morning says that drinking enough of the stuff will slow down ageing 
uh, will stave off chronic disease like heart failure and stroke and lung disease and dementia. You won't die young if you drink lots of water, apparently. That's the story making the papers today. Uh, and people who go from strength to strength make this year's uh, Rolling Stone magazine list of the 200 greatest singers of all time. We don't do so bad. Van Morrison makes it. Uh, don't know whether you'd regard him north or south of the border, or, but certainly Bono uh, makes the top 200. Um, uh, and But they do tell us who the top 10 are, according to the Rolling Stones' top 200 singers of all time. And they include um, the top 10, Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston, Sam Cooke, Billie Holiday, Mariah Carey, Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, Beyonce, Otis Redding and Al Green. I hope one of your favourites is in there. And of course, we had a lot who passed away over the Christmas period. Um, Pope Benedict, the former Pope, and they lined up from dawn on the edge of St. Peter's Square, and that makes many of the papers, uh, of course, today and has done over the past few days. Uh, he died over the Christmas period. Uh, also, um, I hope that she will be well and makes a full and healthy recovery. The tennis legend Martina Navratilova has a double cancer diagnosis with throat and breast cancer. And hopefully she will make a 100% recovery in that regard. Sadly, here on Leaside, we lost uh, uh, the great Kenny Lee over the Christmas period as well. Great entrepreneur, great promoter, the man responsible for, you know, the likes of Spiders and the Pav and Bogarts and also for bringing Live at the Marquee here to Cork and sadly passed away over the Christmas period. But if you're thinking about what to do with the Christmas tree, right, why don't you eat it? Apparently, chefs have come out now saying that people should eat their Christmas tree instead of chalking them or recycling them. You can do lots of different things with Christmas trees, actually. You can make gin out of Christmas trees, or at least the pine needles from the Christmas trees. You can make ice cream. Uh, you can also think of them, think the pine needles are not pine needles at all, but think of them as rosemary or basil. Chop the tree up, put it in the oven, and when it ends up like just a charred mess, whiz it in a blender and create a black powder for flavouring. Just mentioning it, just mentioning it. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. My apologies, I have a bit of a head cold. I think an awful lot of people probably do have coughs and sniffles. I'm amongst them. But other than that, hail and hearty and we'll drive on. Uh, but very seriously, I mentioned the newspapers this morning and the tragedy on Leaside, particularly on New Year's Day. We had an awful lot of incidents in Cork over the Christmas and the early New Year, but none more serious than the, the death of Bruna Fonseca, the 28-year-old Brazilian woman who lost her life on life on Leaside. Barry Roach is covering it for the Irish Times and he joins me by phone. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, an awful start to the new year and the tragic loss of a young life with everything to live for. Uh, what can you tell us? What do we know? Yeah, a huge amount of tragedy and grief and sadness and upset here in Cork over the Christmas period and I suppose, as you say, that when the the shocking phone line Barry apologies it's a shocking phone line I don't know if we can make it any better because I do want to hear from you could you move around any better any better yeah I know, I know, you've, I know you've, you've actually travelled to another incident down in Killarney so we'll do, we'll do the best we can go ahead and see if that improves um, I'll, I'll speak as loudly as I can and pull in here in Balaborna. Um 28 sorry Chris, New Year's Day Gardy received a phone call from a man telling them there had been a disturbance at a flat in Liberty Street uh, behind the courthouse and in front of St. Francis Church. 
just up the North Main Street. And when they went there, they met a man who admitted them to a flat and they found the young woman unresponsive there. Now, the Gardaí performed CPR on her, but she didn't respond. Paramedics came. They also performed CPR and she, again, didn't respond. It was unsuccessful and she was thrown dead. So Gardaí... Uh, Requested services state pathologist office and Dr. Margaret Bolster carried out a post-mortem on the young woman at CUH that afternoon and that confirmed she died of violent death. So Gardaí launched a murder investigation. Meanwhile, they had arrested a 29-year-old man at the scene and brought him to the Bridal Garda station where he was questioned throughout New Year's Day and most of yesterday with the assistance of a Portuguese interpreter because he too was Brazilian. The woman was a young Brazilian woman called Bruna Fonseca. She'd come to Ireland uh, with her then-boyfriend in September, or to Cork rather in September. She was a qualified librarian. She's from a town called Farmigia, which is in Minas Gerais province in southeastern Brazil. But she was working as a contract cleaner with Bidvest Noonan uh, at the Mercy. And they paid a very generous and kind tribute to her, saying that she was an esteemed colleague and a hard and diligent worker when they heard she had passed away and they extended their sympathies to her friends in Cork and her family back in Brazil. Then yesterday afternoon, we heard that the man was due to appear in court and there was a special city of Cork District Court on about five o'clock yesterday evening. And this chap, Miller Pacheco, Pacheco, my apologies, Brazilian man, 29-year-old, brought before that special setting Detective Garda Portic Harrington at the Bridal Garda Station to give evidence to rest charge and caution and told the court that... um, Mr. Pacheco, when he was charged with the murder of his ex-girlfriend, uh, Bruna uh, Fonseca, made no reply to the charge because, uh, Sergeant Pat Lyons made the point that because you can't apply for bail in the district court, there was an issue arising regarding bail and uh, defence of the three to Bushmore set her claims consenting to the remand in custody. So Judge John King, he remanded Mr. Pacheco in custody appear again at Cork District Court um, next Monday. So he's in custody for a week. So it was a sad sight there yesterday. I mean, there were five or six of um, Bruno Fonseca's friends down there, young women all huddled at the back of the court. Were they also members of the Brazilian community, I believe? All, all, Bra- all Brazilian community, and they, they look very lost and forlorn there, to be honest. And when you think about a woman, whatever it is, two or three dozen miles from home, coming to Ireland for a new life or just to travel and experience new new, new cultures and so forth, suddenly uh, to hear that she's dead on New Year's morning is, uh, is pretty shocking. And I suppose I should mention as well, um, there's a GoFundMe page that's been set up by her friends because they want to try and um, bring her body back to Brazil for a funeral and a gather. Uh, they may not be the, 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 the most flush or they may not be best equipped in terms of resources. So we have had cases before. I know there's a chap in Derry, if you remember, his son died abroad and he set up this fund for Irish families who lose loved ones overseas to um, bring them back uh, for burial here. And I think you've spoken to him before yourself. Yeah, there's yeah. been a few tragedies for Cork kids or Cork people who died abroad. And this charity has helped out. So this is effectively something in reverse, I suppose, as a young Brazilian woman killed a nurse well, on our streets or in, uh, in, in our city and her, fa- her friends are trying to um, as I say raise money to send her remains back to her family I don't have the exact details of it but I presume uh, people if they go online can, I will get the uh, details uh, of that Barry and I'll give it out on air in a few moments time could you could you imagine whomever had to break that news to her family back in Brazil absolutely uh, heartbreaking uh, I mean we, we've heard the story before in terms of other deaths obviously I suppose when it comes to money for me and Sophie Toscan Blanchard and talking to her parents afterwards about how they learned about it yeah. But yeah, it's a phone call that nobody 
wants to receive and there's no phone call, no phone call that no guard ever wants to have to make but unfortunately some poor officer had to um, break the news to, uh, to, 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 to the family. Because there has been a charge now um, it, it kind of limits what can and can't be said but with regard what can you say about the investigation? I mean the area's been cordoned off there would be a forensic examination yeah. there be extensive CCTV footage that was a busy area wasn't it on New Year's Eve? Yeah, uh, as you say, Liberty Street, just around the corner there from the, the Raven, uh, I suppose there's one landmark for people and back of the courthouse in front of St. Francis Church. Uh, it was cordoned off, Gardaí did a technical, uh, Gardaí technical experts did a forensic examination at the scene. They'd been examining CCTV footage, they'd been talking to our friends, I gather. They've established uh, that uh, Bruno was out socialising with a group of Brazilian friends on New Year's Eve in the Oyster uh, and uh, obviously that was only hours before this tragedy happened and by 6.30am on New Year's Day the poor woman was unconscious and Brown said shortly afterwards so uh, the whole thing turned horribly, horribly wrong for her and uh, the family as you say in Brazil are grieving and friends in Cork are grieving so. and I'd imagine, I'm not guessing so, but I presume because they can be in Cork I don't know what numbers we have here but I presume they all know each other it's a bit like Irish and yeah. whatever in yeah. London or San Francisco you know, people are in contact so I presume they're in a state of shock certainly the young women who were there last night in court looked all very young and all very shocked and all very they were just huddled together, you know. Yeah. It's sort of pretty, well, it's pretty uh, grim and, and sad, and you know, you're sort of hard to talk to them yesterday. All right. Well, we'll have to that way for the, uh, you know, the actual <laughs> investigation take to take, take its take course, course of, and the so, next yeah, court appearance. Yeah. You are, you are, and our thoughts are with uh, the family of the late Bruno Fonseca. You, you are, you are traveling to Killarney, I believe, this morning, aren't you? Another story that I referenced this morning that makes. The Irish Times and all of the newspapers is um, six have been held after a hotel violence in the Hotel Killarney uh, on New Year's Day. Um, what's the backstory to that? Uh, from what I can gather, Cardi, I'm quite sure as to what triggered this, but there was an outbreak of an incident between a group of Georgians and a group of Algerians in the Hotel Killarney, and um, there were four people hospitalised. Uh, with stab injuries, non life threatening. Two were taken to University Hospital in Kerry, and two were taken to Cork University Hospital. Happened about half eight on New Year's Day. Uh, there were two others arrested one Georgian and one Algerian. I think there were three Georgians hospitalized and one Algerian. But as to what the actual background to it is, Gardy, you're still, I think, not. Any great, um, and that, that's much the wiser. There doesn't be any sort of previous tension between them, though. Or I'm not sure how long both groups were in the Hotel Clary. It's the hotel, as you know, coming from the Cork side of Clary there on the yeah, left hand side. On the, the left hand side, side, yeah. And it's been recently converted into a reception centre for those in direct provision. But, but, there's no but the mayor of Killarney is the mayor of Killarney this morning is saying that locals say that they're anxious about tensions that do exist between different nationalities placed in the hotel. And they've turned shocking recently, they said. And people in Killarney are angry and concerned about it. That may well be the case. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, by all accounts, on New Year's Eve, I think there were five or six guard cars there, feet ambulances. It seems to have been quite uh, a very violent incident. And I understand it. So I've listened to some other reports today that hotel staff there are very worried, are very anxious about working there in that sort of situation. And that's as you would well understand, the last thing you expect when you're helping people who come to this country for refuge or for asylum and suddenly put something like this to kick off yeah. there on New Year's Day. So it's, um, you know, it's a distressing situation. We, I suppose we might hear a bit more, we might find out a bit more. 
at the court if there's an object if, sorry if there's an objection to bail and there's an application bail then the guardian might outline what they allege but do we know there, so okay but we know 16 different nationalities under the one roof as they're saying um, are they primarily male or is it mixed um, do, do you know my my guess Neil and I must confess I, I wouldn't know this definitively but I would imagine it's primarily male I would think Okay. Uh, okay. Single men, uh, and I mean, I would imagine. Like when I was where I looked the other day, I was when he was at sort of groups with, uh, shall we say, historic ethnic um, tensions between each other. You know, some groups obviously India, Pakistan, that sort of thing. But no, they're not. So there's no, there's nothing to suggest why these two Georgians, Eastern Europeans, Algerians, North Africans, what, what triggered this off. Oh, who knows? I, I, okay. We might know. Well, we might know more later in the day. But um, no, there's been, a, as I say, that's, I'm not going to carry for that, but then we had a couple of court cases in Cork as well. Uh, you were referencing calls. the 29-year-old man in the critical condition in Cork Hospital, is it? Um, yeah, I'm yeah, it happened on the 28th, Wednesday. Gary uh, received a call. Paramedics went there, found this man in a very serious condition. They walked to stabilise him. He's been, he was rushed to CUH. He underwent emergency surgery there. He's in, that's whatever it is, five days ago, still in a critical condition in CUH. Uh, very, very serious assault. We since have had two teenagers charged. They both presented themselves with different stages and at different stations. One chap presented himself at Cargilline on the night of the 28th. He wasn't arrested with the token, assisted the audio with inquiries. He was then uh, discharged, released as well. Second fellow presented to Coker Garda Station on, I think, the Thursday night. He appeared in court in Mallow, a special sitting on Friday. Young guy called Ricardo Hohe, 19, from our or carried in Carrigaline, and he's charged with assault causing harm to Matt O'Neill at Glenwood Carrigaline on December 28th. He was remanded, uh, the Garda, I think he gave evidence for his charge and caution, uh, he made no reply. Gary didn't object to bail in his case, so yeah. he was remanded in bail to appear at Cork District Court on the 5th, and then a second teenager uh, called Jordan D.C., from Ravensdale, Herdenswood, he appeared at a special sitting of Cork District Court on New Year's Day, if I'm right, and the Sunday New Year's Day, and Gary, again, the text got a Declan Healy, gave it in stress, charge and caution, made no reply, we heard the charge was put to Gary objected to bail for him, he's been remanded in custody to appear back at Cork District Court on January the 5th. So they're both facing charges of assault causing harm. Matt O'Neill remains in a critical condition in CUH, so obviously huge warranted for his family as well. Um, and then to add to the mix, there was a hit and run in West Cork on Thursday where uh, the broadcaster Paddy Palmer, people would know from the country. So very much would know Paddy Palmer, the fine sports guy, broadcaster for C103. Yeah, yeah, and I was only, I think it was last week, I was just reading the back of the echo. He did a really nice column about Jimmy Barry Murphy and sort of acknowledging. Well, how, what do we know what happened with Hit and Run? Well, allegedly, uh, he was driving out from his house. Uh, a car hit him. car didn't stop. Uh, he, he was rushed to hospital. My understanding is he's also in a critical condition, seeing oh, a hedge. God. Oh, is. Um, meanwhile, Gardy began an investigation, and on Thursday night, they arrested a chap in Ballon he appeared before a special sitting of Bandon District Court on Saturday, and his name is 
Bowden Bezversky. He's a Ukrainian nationalist, 33, and he, it was an unusual case in that I don't think I've ever seen anybody express such remorse in court when they were charged with an offence. Detective Gavin Manis O'Donnell, he gave evidence, and there were four charges failing to give appropriate information to the report the occurrence of an accident, failing to stop at the scene of an accident, failing to render appropriate assistance to Paddy Palmer, and then failing to keep his vehicle at the scene following the occurrence of injury to Paddy Palmer. What did he, he said, say? I'm guilty. I just want to apologise. He said, that's one charge. Then he said, I'm sorry, very sorry for what happened. I have no excuse, no excuse. Very sorry for my actions. He said, the combination of those two to a third charge, and then the fourth charge, he said, I want to apologise. and very sorry for my actions. And his solicitor, Mary Deneen, she said, at the end of all that, when he was charged and the man didn't custody because she didn't play for bail, she said she wanted, or tried wanted to put on the record that he wanted to express his remorse for what happened. Judge James McNulty acknowledged that and said uh, he welcomed the, 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 the expression of contrition. He's remanded in custody okay. to appear at Bandon District Court on Thursday. So that was that. And okay. then there okay. was... Uh, there was another the incident said, then which I referred to and the intervention of Vangarda Shikana with regards to this slash wound to the head. They oh, staunched yeah, the yeah, bleeding yeah. and... and Probably helped. I don't know what the condition of the 44-year-old is. Or sorry, the, the, the 59-year-old man is in now. Do you know? Is the story from Magazine Row? he's serious but stable. But this man, from what I can gather, really owes his life to the two guardians who got there. Uh, it happened on New Year's Day, about half four. Gary received a call from this chap in a house, in a rented house magazine road, say they've been assaulted. There are two officers arrived out there. They found an injured man, 59-year-old Ukrainian guy in a bedroom with a towel, trying to staunch a wound to his head. He apparently was bleeding profusely, was squirting, sporting out. Yeah, an artery. So trying to staunch that. They, their, oh, sorry, separate artery, yeah. it was the two guardy who sort of compressed the wound and stopped him bleeding out to death, effectively. We're talking to one guard who wasn't involved in the case, but he sort of said, these guys saved this fellow's, uh, the two guards saved this guy's life. Paramedics, sorry, they staunched it. He was taken to CUH, underwent emergency surgery uh, New Year's evening multiple blood transfusions he's now we understand in a serious but stable condition Gardy arrested another guy leaving the house a 44 year Latvian chap he was aggressive and drunk he was arrested for uh, public order stuff initially taken to talk but subsequently when he sobered up he's been questioned about this assault he's currently in custody Um. And that investigation is ongoing. Gary carried out technical examination scene, but this came very close, as close as I can gather, or, you know, close to being on the second fatality in court. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, one, one, one guard of something said, it really was touching over the spell of a while. He had a couple of transfusions, but while his condition is still serious, it looks like he should come through, but it really was a close run. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, this man can thank, uh, the Ukrainian man can thank the guard, I think, for saving Okay. Okay. There, w- there was also the death of a man who was found um, in a housing state as well over the Christmas time down in um, in, in Mahan on the south side but that has been ruled out as yeah, well as any element of foul play. play. Yeah. yeah, he was so unconscious about half eight on New Year's Eve morning a 43-year-old chap just in the north side but he was going lying unconscious in a cul-de-sac at Balanchine Court in Mahan. Emergency services are alerted. He was rushed by him to CUH but he was pronounced dead there so short time later, later Gardy cordoned off the area began an investigation and um, got a suspicion that I think have been found have been ruled the fact that there was a bag of money found nearby and his clothing wasn't quite properly in place yeah. but the assistant state pathologist Dr. Margaret Bolster she carried out a post-mortem on the man's remains 
at CUH that afternoon, New Year's Eve, and that when they didn't release the file, uh, the results was not satisfied. There was nothing um, suspicious about it said. So that now will be um, okay. Okay. Uh, filed for the coroner's court. What, 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 what an alarming! Yeah, what an alarming start to the new year. Added to the fact of a, an 86-year-old widower who perished in a house fire in Carrigaline. It's tragic. Yeah, that was that was I was down there on Christmas. Eve and that had broken out um, the fire there on the day the Friday before Christmas Eve. Eighty-four year old man called uh, Sean Lynch and I spoke with Seamus McGraw the Fall Town School there. He said there was a huge sense of shock and sadness. People waking up in Cargline Christmas Eve morning discovered that this man had died. Fire broke out in his house in the Court and Water Park in the town at about uh, nine o'clock. His son, who lived with him, had gone out shopping and the son came back to discover the house. Uh, a blaze, and it really was. I saw the damage there the following morning. Like it, house had been extensively damaged in that. The firefighters there from Cork City Council, Carrigaline Fire Brigade in the county, and the Crosshaven, they brought it under control, and I think they went in with breathing apparatus yeah. and removed or recovered his remains. But the poor man was pronounced dead. Uh, but a real sense of shock there in Carrigaline. It really has been extraordinary. Uh, it is, An alarming start to the yeah, to the yeah, new year. An alarming yeah. uh, amount of incidents over the Christmas and early over the new year. Barry, thank you for the update on all of those. I know you're travelling to Killarney. Thanks for pulling in. I'll allow you to continue. If there are updates with regards to the story out of uh, Killarney, we'll talk again soon, but I appreciate it for now. Indeed, Neil, and I say just remind listeners, if anybody can help up with um, Bruno Fonseca's funeral costs, but that got on the page, I think uh, it could be a good, a, a generous deed from people of Cork, as it were. Without a doubt. Uh, without a doubt. I know they'll respond in, in kind, but they always do. Okay, thank you, Barry. Barry Rhodes, Southern Correspondent uh, with the Irish Times. Apologies for the quality of the phone line, but I uh, hope you were able to hear all of my conversations on a lot of different alarming and unfortunately tragic events uh, over the Christmas and the early New Year. I will get details of the fundraiser. Um, we're just, I'm not 100% sure that it's completely set up yet, but as soon as it is, I'll have the information and I'll bring it to you at that point in time. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. And thank you for your text, uh, text 0868 104 106. Um, somebody said to me, and you're absolutely right, um, that I'm sadly Jack Lynch of the Cotton Ball also passed away this year. You were calling out the names of people who tragically we lost uh, over the Christmas period. And amongst them is the death of uh, Jack Lynch. Um, and I see the death notice myself here um, from the Cotton Ball in Mayfield and to all of his family and his friends. Wonderful man, of course, uh, an absolute legend on Lee side with regards to the Cotton Ball and all of the various uh, businesses, including the Cotton Ball in Mayfield. And it's sad to hear of his passing. Um, now, um, you know, I know that there are Brazilians on Lee side that will have been uh, friends of the late Bruna Fonseca. In fact, one sent me, um, you know, you, you talk about people coming to live here and start their lives and, and a new life and to come here for an adventure or, you know, and Irish people go overseas for exactly the same reasons as, say, for instance, Bruna uh, came to Cork and indeed to Ireland. Um, and before she was, she, she did so, actually, she was looking for somewhere to stay. And somebody sent me, just to remind you of how tragic this is and the loss of a young life like this. She says, I'm moving to Cork in September with my boyfriend. We're going to study English and work. Uh, he's 29 years old, a civil engineer. I'm 28. I'm a librarian. We're quiet. 
we're clean, we're organised, we adapt easily. Uh, our budget is a thousand euro a month, but we could be flexible for the right place. Thank you to anybody that could help us. And sadly, of course, she did come and managed to find somewhere to live and, and made friends and got herself a job. Uh, and on this morning, we're talking about uh, her murder. Um, I can say very little more about that, of course, because of a charge be- before the courts. But it certainly is uh, tragic. As soon as I have details of the fundraiser to um, repatriate the late Bruna um, Fonseca back to Brazil, I will give you those details. But it makes you sit up and think just in general terms of, you know, um, you know, violence and the amount of violence that we live with. Um, somebody um, was, was saying when they were spoken to about it down in the city over the weekend, I think it might have been something that I read in, in Corkbio, that we live in very violent times. And, you know, I think that we do live in much more violent times than, say, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I think you can scale it up. As you go forward, say, you know, over the past 40 or, or, or 50 years primarily to very, very worrying times now. And, and a lot of it, of course, has to do. And again, I'm not in any way referring to the case that will soon be before the courts. But say, for instance, when relationships break down or indeed where there are issues of domestic violence, some of it can be physical, some of it can be vocal, some of it can be controlling, manipulative, coercive control uh, and, and things like that. Um, and with that in mind, I just went out to June Murphy as we head into a new year. And she's part of Yana, the North Cork Domestic Violence Project, and joins me by phone. June, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And, and of course, when we hear of all of the different stories there and the different incidents reported by, um, by Barry Roach from the Irish Times, it would lead you to believe that we live in much more violent times. Yeah, well, look, uh, I mean, first of all, I'd like to extend um, on behalf of Yana Domestic Violence Service our deepest sympathies to Bruna's family, her friends and the entire Brazilian community here in Ireland and particularly in Cork. Um, And I suppose then just to go back to your question, Neil, I can only really answer that from what I see on a day-to-day basis. Statistically, you can see it, can't you? Well, you, you you can. And, you know, realistically, I suppose, when we're working in the office and we're meeting um, victims of domestic violence um, and the kind of assaults that they are receiving, we can certainly see, since the st- especially since the start, you could say, of the pandemic, because I'll, I'll speak on the East Cork office where I work. That opened up three weeks before the pandemic case we've worked consistently through and we've seen a steady rise in the 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 violent um, the violence in uh, that that women are experiencing in the home the level of, of violence um in in the assaults as well you know it, it's it's gotten quite vicious um so yeah, it, it certainly it certainly seems to be from from our perspective that things have become more violent or are getting more violent. And in in many cases, um, women sometimes alone, many times with children, flee from that violence and flee from that violent setting. Yeah, yeah, and like again, you know, it's back to the pandemic because it has. Domestic violence being spoken about more, people know about it more, it's opened it up a bit more, but the violence is more intense and um, more women thankfully are coming forward. 
but you know if and you know it can be quite scary as well if you come from a different country you may not know the lay of the land you may not know how to access services and you know and we do our best in that to make sure that we put you know um our service out there in in different languages and and you know it can be quite isolating as well for victims of domestic violence when they come in from a different country yeah. just to highlight yeah. that and, and and is that an alarmingly increasing figure those that have come from other countries to Ireland to start a new life or to settle down and then find themselves in relationships that have turned violent well, we we would see we we would see women um, from right across the spectrum actually. Um, and has there been an increase? You know, I would I would say that we have seen more women from a different nationality come through our doors. All right, um, but I mean, you know, most of our our clients would be Irish. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I don't want it to take that kind of turn either. But it's just the level of violence has increased. Um, you know, the numbers out there are quite staggering. We're still not capturing the true figure of it. And the figure that um, you quote of a 25-year period up to 2022, you say 252 women uh, violently died, uh, violently at the hands of a man. Um uh, and 160 of those women died in their own homes. 87% of them were killed by a man known to them. Just tell me about that figure. Is that is that a, a national figure? Yeah, that would be a national figure, um, Neil, you know. Um, and it just shows you, again, you know, the statistics are quite high and they're, and they're growing, you know. Um, and it is a real problem and it's a very very serious problem that we need a lot more people to um to hear and it needs to be addressed and we had um, simon harris who came out there and he put a tweet out there um before bruna's murder and about a zero policy and sentences increasing but we need to see that a zero um policy um, a tolerance level to domestic violence. We need to see that that is represented properly, and yeah. um, we yeah. need to see that that is reflected in the courts. You know, and will 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 you know the, the Christmas just gone? Will that have been a very very difficult time for people living in toxic living with it within a toxic relationship? Do you think Christmas? You know. Yeah, so we would see a spike um, and that would definitely be around the Christmas period, that would be around New Year's and it would be around World Cups and football matches, those kind of things when you see a lot of drink involved, um, you know, we would definitely see a spike um, in domestic violence calls to the centres um, and the need for the service. So, you know, there are peak times um, when this can happen, uh, which is, you know, we, we always prepare for our own Christmas and, and make sure that, that people have a service that they can, they can contact. And does that service involve somewhere to actually go to be safe? Yeah, well, it, it, it would, you know. Um, but again, as you know, we're, we're to, to see an increase in the refuges and, and beds and... Um, 
to be um, established over the ne- next few years. Uh, you know, we can't come quick enough, to be quite honest. Um, but if emergency accommodation is needed, there is a way for that to happen if a woman needs to... to is there enough? No, there's never enough, unfortunately. But, you know, we can we can certainly make sure that... that as a woman is safe if she needs to, to, to be safe. Because personally you know of the importance of that yourself when years back you left with just the clothes on your back and a box of toys for the kids I think or your your son wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I mean in my case the only way we were going to be able to be safe was to start a new life and, and that is the reality for some of our women. You know that for them to be safe and to be able to have a future, um, you know, they need to leave. That is. And I was going to finish my conversation with you on that. Say somebody listening now who's had a horrific, abusive Christmas, perhaps violent, verbally um, aggressive um, and living in torment. What, what would your words be? Yeah, and and when you say verbally, I'm glad you said that, Neil, because it's very important for anyone whether you're female or male, if you're going through a domestic violence relationship and, you know, you're being verbally assaulted on a daily basis, that is domestic violence. We are there to support people who are going through that and we can help because the effects of that are as devastating as a physical assault. And so... There is help out there for people who are going through that as well. So don't put up with it. Make a phone call. Reach out because there's always that fine line, you know. Um, And the most dangerous time, as we know, to leave a relationship that is abusive is when you're, you're deciding to leave or you have left, you know. So they're they're really critical times. So if you are going through it, we are there. All you have to do is pick up the phone. Don't worry about not knowing what to say. We know what to say. And, you know, and we'll work at your pace. There is absolutely no judgment whatsoever, you know. So, you know, just to reassure people that if they are experiencing it, pick that phone up and we're there to help. Okay. Okay, um, I'll give out some helpline, num- helpline numbers, yours amongst them. Uh, in spite of everything else, June, happy new year to you and all of your service thank providers you. and, and volunteers. And thank you so much for taking the thank call. You. And you too, Neil. Yana, North Cork Domestic Violence Project is on 022-53915, 022-53915. And the National 24-Hour Rape Crisis Helpline is a 1-800 number, double seven. Double eight, double eight, one eight hundred double seven, double eight, double eight. They're just two phone numbers. It probably was a difficult Christmas for some people, uh, and helplines are available. And I'll give out some more of them after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Corks Red FM. All right. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. One other very important phone line for you is Women's Aid Helpline, which is a one eight hundred three four one nine hundred number. One eight hundred three four one nine hundred. And the uh, Cork number then, which is headed up by, of course, uh, Mary Crilly and her volunteers and staff, is also a one eight hundred number four nine seven. 
0818104107. Keep your texts coming. Text 0868104106. In, in other news, of course, um, you know, Happy New Year to, to you and yours. I hope that the Christmas went well for you. It seemed to kind of speed along, didn't it? For many people, of course, uh, it was a sick Christmas because there's a couple of fairly dodgy old bugs and viruses going around, notwithstanding the pressure that's on the HSC and the A&D departments. There seems to be a couple of fairly bad strains of flu and colds and sniffles. I think we all got something in one shape or form or another. Maybe it can find people a lot more to barracks. But I was talking to a taxi driver earlier in the week who said that, you know, it was the quietest they had seen New Year's Eve in years. Um, And he was telling me that normally thousands of people would be lining the streets at midnight looking for a taxi. Uh, but not this year. And he was wondering, you know, I wonder are people getting sick of New Year's Eve or coming into the city? And we were asking people as to whether or not they celebrated. I think to some extent, New Year's Eve changed dramatically after the millennium New Year's Eve, after 1999. I think there was a sea change, 1999 into the year 2000. To some extent, the exorbitant prices back then, and I know that we are talking about the bones of 24 years ago, but the exorbitant prices back then, whether it was for champagne or trying to get in somewhere, or an event, or a function, and the cost of everything for the millennium left a very sour taste in people's mouths. And I think a lot changed. A lot of the balls and the big functions and the pageantry seemed to kind of dilute after the millennium, I thought. And of course, then, of course, we had very little happening in Cork for New Year's Eve celebrations, notwithstanding the fact that up in Dublin, they weren't found wanting. They had a big gig up there with Westlife ringing in the new year and fireworks and everything. Uh, I had people home from Australia and family home from Australia over the Christmas and they're still with us. My sister, her husband and daughter, morning to them all. They were asking, is there anything going on in Cork City? I was mortified in the sense that I, even though I got on to the lads here and we were chatting about it on the programme, we couldn't find anywhere really of any substance with regards to a New Year's Eve celebration happening in Leaside. But I got some very interesting calls and texts. Well, I'll start with texts just after 10 as to how people on Leaside view New Year's Eve celebrations these days and what they got up to. So we have all that and lots more besides. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Mad chatting with Rory this morning on All Matters Sport. I was uh, talking about Pele, the death of Pele earlier on this morning. And somebody correctly says, the because I, I referenced the 1970 World Cup. Was it Italy? I think it was Italy. Was it Italy or West Germany? Um, anyway, somebody says, the 1970 World Cup was the first television World Cup in colour, lad. Uh, it was, uh, the, yeah, it was the Brazil-Italy final. Well, we didn't have colour back in 1970. It was the good old black and white way back in the day. But I remember it, the 70 World Cup with Pele. Um, seriously, though, thank you to, oh, well, just, just can I also just mention, thank you to everybody sending lovely texts about Christmas and wishing us all a happy new year. And I send it right back at you in spades. Happy Christmas for what's left of it. And for some, of course, it'll continue. We have Women's Little Christmas a little later on this week. But um, with the death of Bruna Fonseca. Uh, Bruna, Bruna was a woman, not a girl. 28-year-olds are adults. Don't be a misogynistic, don't be misogynistic, infantilizing women. 
thank you. I'm okay. I think that's very hurtful. I also think it's quite disrespectful. I take the point that you're making, not disrespectful to me, but the fact that whether it was a woman or a girl whose life was snuffed out and taken at such a young age, does it really matter? Um, does it really, really matter? It's appalling that a young girl who came to Ireland for a new life should lose her life in such a shocking way. Now, that's more on par of what we should be saying, really, to be honest. You know, you're entitled to your opinion as to say, that's not a girl, it's a 28-year-old woman. I understand that. But, you know, I think we need to be, we need to be very, very, um, you know, kind and understanding and, and sympathetic um, and also very thoughtful of the fact that a woman... Uh, as life has been taken I'd like to stay anonymous but listening there to that poor girl who died it's the court systems that fail our women in Ireland I've been there I've gotten protection orders I've gotten safety orders I have called the guards sadly the guards don't always call and the courts continually push back court appearances three or four times it's hard enough for a woman to stand up in court or to ring the guards Um, when sadly all too often you're not taken seriously the Irish government fail women time after time in this country and a lot then on the incidents down in Killarney the violence is escalating because the perpetrators are never punished punished properly Um, can I just say Neil that nearly all of the incidents you referred to this morning involved foreigners the hit and run, the death on Liberty Street the attacks on Magazine Road and the incidents in Kerry. The common denominator in the majority of these tragedies is foreign nationals. Why, as a country, are we burying our heads in the sand? This has been happening all through 2022 as well. Uh, Just listening to your show there, and without saying it, you highlighted a very valid point. There are a lot of vicious, violent attacks happening in our country lately, and a lot, not all, but the majority involve foreign nationals. This isn't me being racist. This is me being afraid. Afraid for our country, afraid for my kids, my friends, my family. What are we going to do about it? And one final one here for now. I think one of the main reasons behind the rise in violence, and particularly domestic violence, is the amount of drinking that's being done at home. I even saw it with my own family at Christmas. The drink flows and the arguments begin. If I had my way, drink would be banned from the house. You can go into an offie or the supermarkets, load up the trolley with drink, and there's nothing to stop you at home. It's absolutely shocking. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Regarding events in Killarney in the hotel that's housing something in the region of 400 uh, asylum seekers, um... I'm not quite sure what the the breakdown is as to whether it's Ukrainians who are fleeing war, asylum seekers or refugees or, um, you know, a cocktail of all of the above. Uh, But by text, listening to the reports there that you had on air, murder, stabbings, assaults, my heart goes out to the Gardaí have to deal with all of these things. They're only human like the rest of us having to deal with all of this, says Kay. Well, with regards to the man on the magazine road who seems to have been attacked with a bottle and an artery was severed. When the guards arrived at that premises, they found him trying to stop the bleeding himself. And if those two guardy hadn't staunched and compressed the wound, I think we'll be talking about a death this morning and hopefully he will make a recovery. But it was the guardy intervention there that made a life-saving difference. And Pat says, well done to Ungardi for dealing with the violence in Cork over the holidays. They quickly arrested perpetrators and got them in front of the courts, says Pat. Yes, and we have to allow the courts to take their course at this stage. Listen, incidentally, I just got a voice note from a listener saying that they passed a serious incident in Carrigaline uh, just a while ago near the Lidl 
on the road out, just outside Cargilline on the way to Crosshaven. Ambulance to fire brigades in Gardaí. The road is shut. Uh, that's as much as I know. We've contacted Garda Press and I'll give you an update on it when I have further details. But back to the phone lines we go. Jim, good morning. Good morning and a happy new year to and you. And you too, my friend, that we may have some lovely conversations across 2023 as well, Jim. So good morning to you. You were in Dublin for Christmas, was it? I was. I, 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 stayed, I stayed with my partner in Dublin for Christmas. It's something, something that we do every so often, you know. The last time we done it was four years ago, but we, since then we had lockdown, so we couldn't, we couldn't you know, you know yourself. But anyway, four years ago, I, I spoke to you, I, I think it was about two weeks after Christmas, about the homelessness in, in, in Dublin. And obviously, enough, you know, it is rampant in Cork too. How much worse is it? I mean, you're t- you, like you scale it up anyway by population in Dublin. I know that. Yes, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, it, since four years since I was there, Neil, it's absolutely horrendous. Is and it? I mean horrendous. Yeah, yeah. Like, what you see in O'Connor Street is, is, is minute. It, like you'll see, you'll see the the odd person outside the shop with a, a coffee cup and a blanket thrown over them. Uh, but it's when you take to the side lanes, uh, Neil. You know, it's when you go Christmas morning. I I I'm sorry I'd done it, but I had to do it. We said maybe I had to do it. We wanted to see how bit worse it got. And what I witnessed, I, I it, it brought tears to eyes. I mean that, Neil. It brought tears to eyes. Now at at no stage the people that we came across. Did we see any evidence of alcohol and drugs involved? And I can categorically I'm listening. state I'm that listening. I'm listening. Like there was no, there was no sign of uh, beer bottles, uh, wine bottles, cans, needles. Uh, um, just the 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 the, 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 the demeanour of the people I spoke to, and I'm talking about. Everyone that I spoke to, I made it my business to go and talk to them and, and wish them happy Christmas. They were Irish people, Neil. Like women between 55 and 65 years of age. Men, uh, 20 to 50, 60. And they're sleeping in tents. They were sleeping in uh, sleeping bags. There was when you a, chatted a, with them, did they, did they share any of their story with you, Jim? Of, they were spilling their hearts out to me. But... Uh, at no stage did they ask me for anything. They never asked me for... I spoke to people from Wicklow, was common. Uh, they all scared so of Dublin, in Shakur and all that, them places. Uh, I tell her, it, 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 it brought my heart to speak to them. But the, 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 the one thing that lifted me a small bit while I was there, this was around uh, t- 10, between 10 and 12. I, we, we spent two hours out in the cold talk to these people. And it was cold in Dublin Christmas morning. It was cold. And you know, they're, they're sleeping in front of, of, of shop doorways. And, and, and the breeze down those lanes, if you can imagine, the same as caught, it was horrendous. Mm. Um, mm. Like... Is this is this is this the way our nation has gone? Like you, you opened your program this morning with all those sad tales, and 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 uh, apparently there's 192 migrants staying in this Clanley hotel from 17 or 18 different nationalities. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to sound racist, but the, these are all Irish people that were sleeping on the streets, Neil. Mm, mm. Mm. Like the good, the, the, but the good thing I, I skipped away from it because I'm getting kind of half motion over the little road. But yeah, uh, uh, the good thing, the good thing that happened while I was talking to these, those six people together, women sleeping in cardboard boxes and cardboard boxes torn over them, 
men they were they were dressed and dressed well and they 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 looked on the men looked on shaven and 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 things like that as obviously they would because they have no place to go but along comes then uh, the homeless people. charities and the volunteers and what you have yes with, with yes. clothing and footwear and food they were ca- they were carrying they were carrying uh, uh, kind of christmas bags and and i they showed me one of the bags. They, they, one of the, the, the volunteers showed me. And what you had inside was biscuits, uh, uh, cakes. Yeah. Small yeah. cakes. Like, they, 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 apparently at night, they, the, same, the same as the, the good people in Cork, the volunteers in Cork and, and Penny Dinners, the good people in Cork goes around at night with soup and things like that, you know, and flasks and sandwiches. But that would be happening. But then at the top of O'Connell's place, there was about 30 people. And they were waiting, and there was a, a bus came along, uh, and uh, the driver got out. And he said, "All for the RDS," and I couldn't understand one of them. They were all farmers getting on the bus, mm. going out to the RDS for Christmas Day dinner. Mm. And are you are you saying to me that those that you spoke to on that Christmas morning, living in the tents or in sleeping bags or on top of cardboard boxes, were Irish? Every one of my spoke deal, and I can categorically state that facts now. They, they, they were they were from Wicklow, they were Roscommon, Meath, Inchicore. I, they taught me, they, and 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 I I I went down on my knees alongside talking to them, and at no stage did they ask me for anything. There was we 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 left that, and we, we walked back down O'Connell Street again. We were shaking to tell the truth, and I just said to Margaret, I said we'll have a cup of coffee. There was a shop open there, so we. There was a girl, excuse me, there was a girl outside the shop day and she was down on haunches, uh, I'd say no more than 20. Uh, I passed her in, I, I was kind of half, t- I wasn't even thinking, and um, I came back out and I said, Lord, and she said, how are you doing, sir? No, she had a cup down in front of her, a coffee cup. She didn't ask me for nothing, Neil. Mm. She did, I, 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 I threw a few yours into it and I, I, I walked away and Margaret said, we go back and get our cup of coffee. So I, I went back and I just said to the, the lady, I said, um, would you like a cup of coffee? She said, that would be nice, she said. Yeah, yeah. So I went in and I I, I, bought, I got all that in. I came back out and I said, happy Christmas. And the same to you, she said, I hope you'll have many more thanks sauce, she said. Yeah. And she was Dublin. She was a Dubliner. I know. And I went, I went further away and I turned back and I said, maybe she might eat a sandwich. And I went back in, and you know the ready-made sandwiches yeah, yeah. at the, the shop. I went back in, and I got her sandwich. And Neil, honestly, she she couldn't she couldn't thank me enough. All too often we hear that, unfortunately, many of those, or at least a fair proportion of those that are on the streets in situations like that are in the throes of addiction. Sometimes it can be alcohol. Sometimes it can be I, multi-addictions, including heroin. I can I can I can say uh, without offending the, the, the lady. I can say I can uh, say yes. I could see addiction on this lady. How she how, how But should that make it any difference? Because you can't make sense out of why we have two different systems that seem to exist here. You mentioned a figure in in Killarney of a hundred and something. The actual oh, figure yeah. for the hotel that has become a melting pot now of cultures, as the examiner puts it this morning, is 400 in the hotel. 400 um, from, I believe, 17 different countries. And they just can't seem to get along, it seems. 
You see, you see, look, it's go, it's go, it goes back to our government, right? These are centres that are set up for, for, for people that, that lies on turmoil between war and, and persecution and you, you name it. But these, these are people, right, that's getting everything for nothing. Mm. It, their, their breakfast, dinner and supper is put up in front of them. The washing is done, being done for them. I don't, don't, don't get me wrong, I don't want to sound negative about these people. But what I witness what the Irish people sleep on the streets, Neil. And, and like, for the four, I know, another statistic. For the four days I was in Dublin, it was mostly about, we stayed in Joy's in Parnell Street. That's three-minute walk from, from Dublin's city centre, you know. And for the four days, Christmas Eve, I saw one member of the Garda Shikana outside the GPO. Christmas Day, I saw another guard cycling on a bike. That was it, Neil. I saw no patrol of guardies. I didn't even see a police car, squad car going down. Right. But what I did, what I did see was a mobile unit parked in the middle of O'Connell Street. That's been I, I inquired about it. That's been run by run from a, 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 a station in some part of Dublin, and that's all monitoring O'Connell Street with cameras. Okay, that's okay. it. Okay, you know okay. that's what's been done, but. Look, it's upsetting to see. Four years ago since I was there, has that got worse? It's tenfold. And, and, what, and your, your thoughts then with regards to why, why can't people get along? As you say, they have been given everything, including refuge and generosity from the Irish people and somewhere to stay, meals provided, and also, you know, their health issues being looked after and what have you. But yet they can't seem to get along. Um, is it because there's 400 of them all cooped up you could basically say anything between 15, 16, 17 different nationalities. They may not all get on. Uh, tensions now have led to, um, you know, boiling point and apparently a row broke out in one of the corridors that escalated then into other corridors. And before you know it, people had knives and were slashing and stabbing each other. I mean, what, what, are, we, what are we going to do about that? Why, why can't they just get along? The first thing is that 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 that, that uh, various various resources should be put in place for these people to, 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 if they if they want to walk leave them walk. I, I I think the laws in this country are, are outdated where, where that's concerned because some of them are not allowed to walk. Maybe all of them. They're getting money for nothing. They're sitting down inside in waiting rooms and uh, smoking fags, playing playing cards. Um, I don't know what's the, the setup is. They're drink allowed into the, 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 these centres. Uh, but they're getting on one another's nerves. That's the problem. They're getting on one another's nerves, and they're, they're congregated together all day. Oh. Uh, it, it only takes somebody to say something, and then you have the full scale right, like like happens in prisons. Yeah, but and what about like the that. people but, that have to live amongst that? I mean, apparently the staff are afraid to go to work, and locals are afraid staff, of being called racist, even though they have concerns. The, sta- the staff, the staff have the answer to it. The staff have the answer to this this question. Pull the plug. Just don't do it. Right. Just don't do and it. Do and the government, the government, do anything. The government will wake up and say, "Hold on, we have a problem here." Like it's like the doctors, nurses, and uh, of this country that's overworked or collapsing in the wards. With if like the, the reason why they they, they walk through because they think about the patients that, that they're looking after. They they have, they have the decency and the heart in them to, to help the people. That but like they, they, look, I, you see, when you mention the word migrant. 
it's a very dangerous world because you, you say something against that world and you're completely and, and utterly taken uh, uh, the wrong way. Well, why you would know? they react in a manner like that where knives would be produced and there'd be people injured and lots of different arrests down there when everything has been provided for them as the best that we can do and you describe scenes on the streets of Cork or Dublin where people aren't being given the same kind of facilities or generosity. It, it's a real I, kick in I, the teeth. The, the, difference, the difference between the people on the streets, the people on the streets and the people in, in these centres, the people on the streets are fighting for survival. These are fighting for survival every day of the week. One, per, one person from Roscommon taught me, we all heard about the young girl that died in the streets of Dublin it was two weeks before Christmas. She, she knew three more that died. And it wasn't highlighted. Yeah. You know, and, and, and remember, remember the time of the cold weather, the really frosty and icy weather? There was three other people died on the streets of Dublin. And there was, I, I, they actually taught me a lane where one of them died. Let me and, talk, and there was nothing about it. Let me talk to Anna, if you don't mind. She's waiting for some time. But appreciate your thoughts and your contribution this morning, Jim, as, as always. Um, thank, thank you for that. Take care, Jim, uh, from you all. Anna, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Are you in Cork or are you in Kerry or where? I'm out in the county in Cork. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, and you heard what Jim had to say there with regards to what he viewed in Dublin and of course you'll see the same on the, on the, on the streets of I Cork. I did, I've, I've seen it all there coming up on the internet. Like, it doesn't hit the RT news, they don't report it, people don't know that it's happening and you see videos and uh, you say it to other people and they go, oh, I should have queer in the head or something like that. You know, um, it's it's just that all these things are not being reported. Um, like, um, I, I'm going way on a whim now uh, already. Okay, but with regards no, to say, for no, what, do, what do you know? What do you know of Hotel yeah. Killarney? Uh, Killarney. I I go to Killarney once in the blue moon. Yeah, I go all over the country once in the blue moon. I go to Killarney once in the blue moon. Love Killarney. It's a very friendly town. I mean, like it's a prestige town for um, Americans to come and visit for foreigners to come and visit, um, to listen to the Irish music, to taste the Irish culture. Um, when I, the la- I, I went to Killarney on a really, really hot summer's day there um, during, during the summer, and uh, I felt like I was going to Lanzarote or something, do you know? There was loads of tourists all over the place. Um, there was a, a lot of foreigners um, serving in restaurants yeah. and bars. I went for, you know, a mineral here and a coffee there and stuff like that, just just to spend the day in Killarney and have my lunch and stuff like that. Um, and then I went into the tourist company, or the big tourist shop there on the main street, and there was finally two Irish people serving behind the counter. But why would you like, say oh finally? God, what, would be, what would be so wrong? I mean, what, what, were you, were you looking for more Irish to serve? I thought it was absolutely lovely. I, I felt like I went abroad for the day and then drove home again, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, but um, this thing with the Hotel Killarney, I mean, like, I was, I was driving out to Killarney that day, and um, there's um, foreigners um, walking up the streets in crowds of fives and sixes, you know, um, young men, um, like, in their 20s. Um, and, um, I mean, like, we're supposed to be bringing in, like, people, like, uh, women and children and families from a war-torn co- torn country, and... Like, that's fine to protect those people, but why are we bringing in 20-year-old men? And the six that were were arrested were all men. Yeah, they were all men, yeah. Um, No, um, I mean, like, I... On on that day, um, I had to 
I, I somebody wanted me to collect them on the way home, so I had three hours to spare to do nothing because I've done I've done everything. So I went into a holistic shop and I said, "Look, do you know any um, anywhere I could get a massage?" And she said, "Yeah, I do. I do actually." And she gave me the number and she goes, "Yeah, come in in an hour down to Hotel Killarney." So I went down to Hotel Killarney and uh, pulled up in in front of the front door, you know, in the car park. Yeah. And in my back mirror, I saw, like, five coloured people walking in the door, and I, I thought nothing about it, but then I was thinking, oh, God, um, is this, a, like, um, a housing place for foreigners? So I walked in the front door anyway, and as soon as I walked into the front door, this Irish security guard comes running up to me, up to the desk. He said, he said this is closed to the public. We are protecting these people. Get out. And I was like, What? I said, um, I, I was just told to come here for a massage. And she go, he goes, well, it's not here anyway. And, uh, okay, yeah, there was a few kids um, sitting around, um, lots of groups of uh, young 20-year-old men. Um, so I was like... Um, he like, was quite abrupt with you, wasn't he? He was very abrupt with me, like, you know, as if I was a, a threat. Like, and were you, you in know? the right place? I was in the right hotel, but the spa is at the back of the hotel. Okay. Yeah. And there's loads of apartments and houses all around that area connected to that hotel. It's huge. So I drove around the back anyway, and I walked in, and uh, I found that I was in the right place. So I had, to, I had to hang around for like half an hour for my appointment. So I said, look, rather than driving somewhere and coming back, you know, I'll just sit in the car. So there was a lot of people like sitting in their windows looking out and, you know, I don't know, I felt a bit intimidated, really. Um, but, um, so I could lock the car, anyway, so. Yeah. I went in for my massage, it was lovely, uh, went away home and everything. Um, but, like, um, Neil, this thing about the government inviting in people with international protection. Now, somebody with international protection has got a reason for taking that. Either a crime has been committed upon them, and they are running away from a criminal, yeah? Or they are a criminal in a foreign country, no matter where in the world, and they can claim international protection. And or they could be here looking for a better life or a new start and their applications have to be why processed. Why would they have international protection if there's no crime committed? But I don't know how many of those, say, for instance, Hotel Killarney would be there with, yeah. uh, you know, international yeah. protection against crime or, um, yeah. you know, um, yeah. that, they, that they're suffering persecution in their own home. I have no idea yeah. the reasons okay. why. Okay, no, I mean, like, over all the years, back in the 80s when I was in boarding school, my best friend was, um, uh, my best friend was English and her mother was English and her father was German. And they came to Ireland because he had committed a financial crime abroad yeah. and they came into Ireland because nobody can touch them. Yeah, okay. You okay. Know? Well that Even, that could be that could be no, one example. That, but certainly that is, the hotel that can, is a yeah. flaw in our law. Yeah. But no, the, the centre in Ireland this, and But you see you don't be. I don't know that they are criminals. Yeah. You see, yeah. I don't know. I mean yeah. they certainly there certainly was criminal activity down there at the weekend, without a doubt. Yeah. And yeah. that is that is a placement for international protection accommodation services. Mm. And yeah. my understanding would have been primarily to remove Ukrainian women and children. I'm actually reading from the Echo mm. to remove Ukrainian women and children who arrived in Killarney in March. They were supposed to try and move them to Mayo. You might remember that. 
uh, to make room for ma- no, but to make country. room for the male direct provision applicants. But okay. what what young men from thirteen or fourteen different countries are doing in Ireland? I have no idea. I don't know. Like I mean, like they're supposed to be fighting their own war, okay. aren't they? So what should happen in a case like this then, when this is how we're thanked for it? What I think, I think, if any foreigner in Ireland is caught committing a crime, that they should be deported back to the country where they came from immediately, and they should not cost our country a penny in taxpayers' money in guard services, medical services, court time living costs and prison services. They should not cost us a penny if they commit a crime in Ireland. They should just be deported back to their country straight away. Okay, thanks for that. Much obliged. Text 0868104106. Calls on the way. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Yes, uh, there were other issues and incidences uh, over the Christmas time. I see another report coming across my desk this morning, uh, confirmed by Guard the press because we had been made aware of an incident at a bar in Carrigaline half past nine on Christmas Eve. The allegation is that it's alleged that a man in his 20s was stabbed by another. Ambulance was said to have taken two hours to arrive. Uh, that could have been because we are told at the same time by an ambulance source that there was only one crew working and available in Cork on Christmas Eve. Could you believe that? One ambulance crew working and available in Cork on Christmas Eve. Hard to believe, uh, but maybe that was the reason why it took two hours to arrive to the incident at the bar in Carrigaline. Alleged that a man in his 20s was stabbed by another. Garda Press said, uh, we are investigating an assault that is alleged to have occurred in a licensed premises uh, on Main Street, Carrigaline, 20 to 10 on Christmas Eve night. A male in his 20s was transferred to CUH for treatment for non-life-threatening injuries. No arrests have been made at this time. Investigations are ongoing. Um, I have the name of a pub from Carrigaline where it supposedly happened, but I'm not naming the pub until I confirm that it's absolutely true. But half past nine, 20 to 10 on Christmas Eve, yet another incident and yet another stabbing. Um, Anybody uh, who misbehaves in the way they misbehaved in Killarney needs to be deported uh, and sent to Cork Airport ASAP. John says it's time to round them up and send them back to where they came from Is this if this is how they behave. Neil, we can only expect more and more of these violent incidents uh, when we let thousands of unvetted nationals into the country. And somebody's suggesting Derek Bly and his um, supporters uh, were right all along. 16 different nationalities shoved into a hotel, all male. You're asking for trouble. I thought we were only taking in women and children from Ukraine. There's a surge of people after coming into Ireland unvetted, and I guarantee you that there will be a lot of innocent victims along the way from these people. Wake up. What is going on? Uh, keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106 to the phone lines. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. What's on your mind? Pick up on this. Go ahead. Um, basically, you can see by the previous people talking, the serious concerns about the unvetted people coming in here. And basically, uh, what I wanted to talk about... They're unvetted until if they la- ask for international protection. They're unvetted until they're processed and investigated, I suppose. 
Yeah, but we need to start looking at a more effective uh, community policing model. And um, basically, uh, this is what an awful lot of the stuff coming up this morning, even with the inner city, with people with mental health issues and they're struggling um, with the conditions they're living in. We need to start looking at mental health and we need to start um, training effective community policing within city centres, within neighbourhoods, within the lot. And then this starts alleviating the fears that people have from previously um, what was mentioned on your But there was so much mentioned this morning assaults, deaths um, um, murder you know, this, this a lot terrible. of this will be before the course. You can't say that that's all mental health issues, surely. Now, what we need to do is we need to look at a proactive rather than a reactive policing system. We react when the thing happens. We What we need to do, and what I'm talking about, effective community policing, we ne- need to start looking at the threats within our city centres, within our housing estates, whatever, and if people need help. I know the system at the moment, if you don't look for help, help, they can't force it on you. But if people are creating havoc within uh, said places, these people should be told, look, you either go and seek help or else, and uh, this should be the case. And another thing with free legal aid and all this, free legal aid, I believe the only way free legal aid should be granted is if a case comes up, say for instance somebody brings you to court and it's out of your control and it's something to do, you know, um, within your neighbourhood or whatever and that you, it's out of your control, by all means, if you haven't the means to, to fight this, leave free legal aid. But if you go out and you commit a crime and you know at the time that... Well, you won't get free legal aid for a civil issue now. You will for criminal or assault. From what I gather there's no deterrent there for a person when they commit a crime because you're not hitting the pocket. They know that if they're caught there, Asher, this will cost me nothing and I'll get the best. They're not even interested in solicitors. They're interested in barristers because it's not costing them. We need to start hitting the pockets and we need to start telling these people, before you even think of doing this, if you get caught, you'll be um, go, you know, you'll be dealt with um, and it'll be hitting your pocket in the sense that there should be a limit to the amount of free legal aid applications. There should be no free legal aid None. in most of these case, cases that I'm hearing now that people are uh, deliberately going out and causing um, harm and uh, damage to, to property. But how would they have a right to a defence if they can't afford it then? If they can't afford it, they shouldn't think of that before they do it. If, can I afford this? If I get caught, am I going to be able to afford this? Or is are they just going to bring me into court, no defence, whatever, and I end up going behind bed. But you can have somebody who's... Been, there's been an allegation of rape against them and it becomes oh, no, a, no, becomes a, becomes a crime. Cases, but that yeah. would be extreme. It would be deal, dealt with as, as well, one of I'm the highest types of... A rape and things like that is, um, you know, it needs to be. But I'm talking about somebody that goes out and causes criminal damage and whatever, maybe robs cars or yeah, crashes okay. cars. Yeah, you're making that, that clear. Yeah. Without a control stuff that they, sh- they know, even before they get into that care, um, they shouldn't be doing it. They know it's wrong. And they but know most of the texts this morning are... are are, are are honing in on the fact that you could have 400 people um, many of them in their 20s and 30s and an awful lot of them men from say let's say 13 or 14 different countries around Europe or the world all living under one roof in a hotel in Killarney and other places like it that's creating all sorts of tension in the local communities um, and, and also and fierce division amongst people who are struggling in their own lives many of them Irish and yet this is happening in Killarney, where you have 
um, knife attacks in the corridors of the hotels when all that's being shown to them is kindness and generosity. And people are angry about that now. You see, these people don't realise um, the kindness and whatever. What these people are doing is, um, you saw it there even with the situation where people died in the back of a, um, a truck there. People will come here um, because this is the land of opportunity. And unfortunately, when they come there, the greed kicks in and they want more than the next person. So if somebody from a direct provision centre f- uh, uh, all of a sudden gets a house, they're, they're mad. Why didn't I get it? And they're creating havoc inside and they're fighting among themselves and they're saying I should have got the house before them so what we're seeing in today's society we're seeing greed right across the the thing politically and the whole lot we're just gone into a greedy society so as you said these people should be glad when they come here they're showing the hospitality they're giving all this it's just not enough and we see this even from our position Would it be tension between different nationalities who It could be tension between nationalities and I believe these nationalities he shouldn't be mixed as well but like this is what this is now and I, when I'm talking about greed I'm talking about even run down hotels that all these people are done is fired in and so much per head and they don't care what happens within there they don't care what grub they get what whole lot this is all about money this is all about greed and this is all this is. What I think now and I could be wrong with this and I could be off the rails with this I think they're restocking the plantation what does that mean? What I mean by that is the Irish have got too educated. They're now looking for decent wage, decent conditions. So what do we do? We flood the country with these people from other Ah, so no, you can't no, think that's can an intentional thing. These people are highly educated. They're highly skilled. And as I said, unfortunately, the political system, you see it. When you talk about now, and this came up on a programme there one night on RT, and there was people in a direct provision centre in Dungarvan, okay? And this lady said herself now she said this herself she was being housed in Dungarvan and she said herself that she could not understand how she was getting a house before an Irish person so what she was saying indirectly is if you went to my country you would not be getting a house before me she could not understand I I don't want to be causing division or upset or worry or fear into people who are genuinely coming coming here looking for a better life Um, yeah but when they're coming here and genuinely looking and supporting supposedly fleeing war or whatever the last thing you think of is they'd revert to violence and like what happened in Killarney is totally off the rails you think these people would be nice and quiet inside in their yeah, own little yeah. space um, trying to get over the trauma of war it doesn't seem to be the case that a lot of people texting this morning that many of the reports that I had in the first hour of the programme did involve uh, people from other countries yeah, they shouldn't be mixed. I believe they should not. No, be I'm talking about other incidents. Whether it was uh, uh, some of them before the court, so I can't say much of it. But that they would, we're seeing a lot more people from overseas involved in criminality. Is that because more have come here, or, or what? You see, as I um, people are coming from different sides of the world. Like as I said, even in my own area, we have people there, and you can see there's conflict within areas because these people are coming from. Maybe you have to fight your corner. Maybe the policing system is totally different, and you have to kind of go out and put down your thing. And I see conflicts, and it's just that people are coming from different um, surroundings. And like even when you look at even the people say coming from the Ukraine now. You 
you look at all the buildings that are bombed in the Ukraine, all those people are living in apartments, right? Every one of them, the thing of a three-bedroom house or a bungalow, that doesn't exist in the Ukraine. So when you come even to a, a country like this and you're given your semi-D and all the bells and whistles that goes with it, that's actually even up Scotland than people from... Their no, no, Ukrainian refugees would be in temporary accommodation. They wouldn't be given three-bedroom semis. Well, I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm basically saying is this government is not looking at where these people are coming from. And even if these people are coming from apartment conditions in the Ukraine, put them into apartments. Well. But you have a holiday home in the middle of nowhere no, right. and all the things with it. These people are totally out of sync with this. Now, I'm not saying it has a mental, it has some kind of a mental effect okay. deep down, but okay. it's, it's just not addressing. And we're not actually looking at the whole plan of what way we need to deal with these people. As I said to you earlier, they should not be mixed within centres. They should be the one nationality within each hotel if they decide to put them into hotels, but they should not be mixed okay. with different okay. nationalities. Okay, well, six men, all of them aged in their 30s now, have been arrested following the carry-on on New Year's Day in the Hotel Killarney. Uh, jump in on this, Jim. Good morning. Neil, how are you, boy? Yeah. And compressed each other for the day. Couldn't believe that he was saying uh, that they shouldn't be mixed. People that are taking charity from Ireland and uh, we're being so good to them, letting them reside in our country, that they bring the, the troubles of the country they're fleeing from into, into Ireland, into their apartments. Um, I suppose the government's answer to this will be segregation. And we know where that leads. We've seen what it's like in England there, where there's parts where, you know, one crowd can't go into another crowd's village type thing. Yeah. We're going to end up with that. It's sad that we're actually at that stage very early in Ireland. So uh, should we be picking up on the amount of criminality that's being reported um, in the courts of people who are every, who have come every here piece to start? Of it, every piece of it. I don't know why people are hiding. I don't know why the government can't build jails. Um, I mean, we have, we have a serious problem already here. It's going to get worse. Um, as the person said, I'll bury your head if you want, but it's here. Um, this idea of putting somebody from one country in one hotel and someone in another, I mean, oh my God, did we ever think that we'd be saying something like that? Uh, like, kindness is a form of weakness. This just proves it. A lot of these guys need to be sent home. They're not refugees. Uh, they're migrants. They're coming for a better life. And I suppose the fault lies with the government that they're not tackling this at the early stage. Uh, England are trying to do it. I also blame the Irish Council of Refugees they, they're only rowing in one direction, and that's not good for anyone. Are you, are you referencing that in the UK, the idea is to send individuals who come to the likes of Ireland. In the UK, they want to have them processed in Rwanda. Uh, processed in Rwanda is fine. It doesn't matter where they're processed. If they're legally entitled to come back, they'll come back. But this idea of, of what happens is if they come into a country, and because the system, uh, the solicitors and, and all those guys are like snails, uh, the longer they're here, the more rights they have to be here, and then you can get them out. Let's be very hard and talk very solid about it. The first day they arrive, they're as guilty of not being here as they would be six years later, so let's move them straight away. Send a message out that they're not welcome here. We only take refugees. We don't take migrants. There is a, there is a process to come here as a migrant, as a worker. It's in place. I might ask you, Neil, how many people have been sent home in the last, we say, 10 years from Ireland? I don't have that, that figure. I don't have I, the figure. I, I, I'm quite sure. I tell you, you can count them all in one hand. I, I was going to say, I'm quite sure it's small. Yeah. The process is yeah. Slow. What, what, would that, what would that tell you? That would tell you there's either no system in place or there's no appetite for it. Either or. And, you know, 
we, we see this we see the stabbing below in Killarney. It's going to get worse. And you can be sure that there's a lot more after going on and we haven't been taught about it. Mm. A lot of this stuff bleeds out, but the fact that it's in Kerry and, and the boys below are very active, the politicians, is why this won't go away too quick now. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, pe- certainly people in Killarney are, are, are speaking up about it. Um, and, you know, were it in Cork, would it be saying the same as they're saying in Killarney, that it's not racist for people to be very concerned about the amount of people that are being integrated amongst them um, and how unhappy they are with it. Um, just to answer your statistic, uh, 177 people who were made, were made the subject of deportation orders um, in 2022. 177. And, and how many people came in here? <laughs> you're what they, what they, what they be, I, no, including the Ukrainians, because not all of them would be... Uh, would, would be so we'd put them all in the same class of numbers in uh, so we'd say 100,000 120,000 well the 177 who were made the subject of a deportation order could have been here for quite a number of years yeah. um, having yeah. their you know, their hearing and then maybe even appealing the decision you know so that could be per 500,000 well, well, for, for, for instance I, I can tell you the 13,500 people from around the world sought asylum, asylum in Ireland in 2022 that's outside of the 70,000 people who fled war and came to us from Ukraine in yeah, 2022. Yeah. So the figure for 2022 is just under 13,500 people. Yeah, yeah. And we don't even know whether they're entitled to it or not. I remember growing up on a refugee, we used to put the word political in front of them. And it was the only time you'd hear of someone that was getting stabbed. And it was nearly glamorized, you know. Yeah, no, okay. it's you don't like... You don't like your country. You, you, if you protest on the street, in some countries you get it. There's no, it's just pure craziness. And we're getting a lot of criminality with it. And, you know, they are running the streets. There's a lot of stuff going on in Cork and in Killarney from these groups. And everybody's just scared. The cops won't talk about it. And they'll do nothing about it anyway. Well, they're not allowed to talk about it. You just can't have the Garda Shikana gone off willy-nilly sharing stories about crime and crime and criminality. They're not allowed. Well, they, they, they can talk about this when they, when they catch him or when they bring oh, him yeah, to court. So sure. they're not bringing him to court either. Not only are they talking about it, but they'll do nothing about well, it. they've arrested six characters down in Hotel Killarney already. Yeah, but she just spotted him. There was blood coming out of him. Uh, but, I mean... They like, were wounded. They won't go after the big strong fellas. They'll run away from it. Who? The cops. Why, 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 do, we, why do we criticise the Gardaí? I don't, I don't I, get I, it. I, I think they should. I think they shouldn't be criticised. I'm. I'm on. Listen, I haven't given up on the Gardaí at all. They've given up on us. I. I. I, I don't know how you see the roads. Uh, how, how you see it playing out, but I can assure you, it's not the same place I, I grew up I, when the cars are coming through. No, big difference, Neil. Yeah, no, I. I understand. I understand that we need more of them, but I wouldn't be critical of the ones that we have. Neil, there was a man on your show last week broke down in the street. He done everything right that he's supposed to do. He rang the cops. He said that he was in a dangerous place That's for his right. daughter. I know that. I know and that. what did the cops say? What do you want me to do? Make one. So I didn't... I'd say he was after ringing the baker shop. I, 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 can, I can appreciate that you will have stories that leave a lot to be desired. But that shouldn't reflect all guardy or all police. Oh, I, I, I'm not saying all of them are, are wrong, but they tell you it must be very hard to go in as a guard. I know that I when he was on the right. side of the road, apparently a guard of vehicle drove right past him and he on the side of the road in a day. I understand looking, that. And, and I'd be critical of that incident. Ticket, yeah. He'd have given him a ticket if he could, yeah. for God's sake. But look, I'm saying right. there's a breakdown right across the civil service. It's, it's no disrespect to the guys. I'm not here to bang him off at all. But their hands are tied as well. But it's the government are at fault. You look at the, the, the guys in Dublin, 
they're telling the whole world come in here and there's no place for them to stay. All what right. do you think is going to happen? Yeah, well, a lot of it's people are saying that. Don't be it's surprised at what's happening and it will get a hell of a lot worse. Hell of a lot um, worse. There were 120,700 immigrants enter the Republic of Ireland last year in total. And that compares with 65,000 the previous year. So it's been a big, big increase um, just statistically, during the provided time period, the number of immigrants coming to Ireland peaked at 151,000 in 2007. Um, and if you look at the figure now, 120,000 uh, in 2022. It seems there was a peak in 2007. It plattered off somewhat. Um, and now it's come back up to 120,700 from last year. That's just some of the statistics and numbers that uh, Jim asked me about. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Looking forward to that podcast, Three by the Lee, later this week. Uh, just on a story I mentioned, God knows there was many of them, uh, an incident in a bar in Carrigaline Christmas Eve, half past nine. Uh, we were told that uh, a man in his 20s was stabbed by another and ambulance arrived, took two hours to arrive because of the shortage of ambulances over the Christmas period. Uh, God almighty, even if you got stalk, talking about the issues regarding uh, our health these days and the health system, it just goes from bad to worse. I mean, 10 years ago, if I was saying it goes from bad to worse, I wouldn't have thought that a decade later it would be even worse and worse, as if we're like caught in the headlights of that. But anyway, without wanting to digress, so I said I wasn't naming uh, the pub until I could absolutely confirm uh, the location guards are investigating the uh, incident that's alleged to have occurred. Uh, a male in his 20s taken to hospital. Uh, no arrests at this stage, but supposedly a, a stabbing. Um, and I got a, an interesting text that said, yes, I would advise that you do not name the pub in Carrigaline, as I am fully aware of the situation in question. It took place between two people who have never been in the premises before, and I don't think that naming the pub would benefit anyone as it would not be a fair reflection on the usual punters in there nor the brilliant staff or management who to a name are brilliant. I agree with that 100%. Uh, I think you've made a very valid point and I will go uh, with what you're saying. Um, and you're right because I don't want to tarnish the good name of an otherwise um, uh, very good pub. Um, one thing's for sure, Bruno Fonseca is dead. 28-year-old uh, Brazilian died on Side. Um, uh, earlier this week. Members of her family are hoping to travel to Ireland now from Brazil uh, to supervise arrangements for the repatriation of their daughter's remains. I'm reading from the Irish Independent this morning. Ralph Regal has picked up in the story. He's saying actually that social media posts will prove crucial in pinpointing the movements of Bruna Fonseca in the hours before she was found beaten and strangled to death in a Cork flat. And the Gardaí are not using just the postings on social media, but also CCTV footage to track Bruna Fonseca as she celebrated on New Year's Eve with friends in a Cork in the in Cork city centre, uh, and to follow um, with regards to using CCTV footage to follow who she was with. Like they're saying in the end of this morning that she left the city centre and made her way to a property in Liberty Street, and that's where her body was discovered. Um, her former partner has been charged with her murder, a man by the name of Milo Pacheco, 29-year-old um, Brazilian national. And he was before Cork District Court yesterday. And he travelled, it would seem, from Brazil when they were in a relationship with Bruna 
uh, Fonseca. Uh, that's the latest update on that tragedy. Um, and, uh, you know, undoubtedly, this is very much a live story and a very live investigation. There will be a GoFundMe set up to help to fund and to contribute financially to the repatriation of Bruno Fonseca. When I have those details, I will give them to you. Um, on the other incident, I was telling you about a voice note that I got from somebody who passed a serious incident in Carrigaline near Lidl. Uh, Garda Press have, re- have said Garda and emergency services are at the scene of a single vehicle road traffic collision that occurred this morning uh, at approximately 10 to 10. And that's why the road was closed. There's no further information, but it would appear to have been a single vehicle road traffic collision this morning on the R612 just outside Carrigaline. That would be the Crosshaven Road. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Yes indeedy and uh, oh listen well done and congratulations because I even was driving down Barrick Street a couple of times myself over the Christmas period on days when you think everything will be shut and O'Reilly's chipper on Barrick Street was open, it was even open on Christmas Day. I got a lovely email in that said I would like to thank O'Reilly's chipper on Barrick Street for opening Christmas Day. We ended up in the A&E on Christmas Eve and spent 20 hours there with our new baby. Only for this chipper we would have had no dinner on Christmas Day. They're on Barrack Street. They are angels, as we call them. What they did opening Christmas Day was for the people, not for the money. I was talking to someone in there on the day, a foreign person, and they told me that they always look after everyone And the reason they open was because a lot of people are on their own on Christmas Day. Don't give up my details. I just want you to know um, and to tell them that I will be going to them from now on. It will be the only takeaway that I will visit. Um, Seven days a week, 10 a.m. till about three in the morning and all day breakfasts. These guys, Neil, deserve a shout out. Happy New Year to you all. Uh, glad that you're back on air. And that's a lovely email. Bigging up and saying thank you to O'Reilly's Chipper on Barrack Street. Job well done to everybody there. And you have one very happy family. And I'm quite sure lots of others as well. An awful thing, isn't it? To have to spend A&E Christmas Eve and A&E and not come out until sometime Christmas Day. 20 hours in there with a new baby. God knows uh, we hear so much about our health system and the A&E. And it's uh, not a good time, actually, for sickness because you have a kind of a bit of a triple whammy going around. You have issues with COVID. And, of course, we're all knowing of people who are testing positive again, more so than maybe a month or two months ago. We know of flu and all sorts of new viral infections that are knocking around. It can be anything from a blocked nose or a, a tickly throat, which I have, or you could have aches and pains and joint pains and all sorts of stuff. And of course, strep is another issue. And it's all very well, I suppose, to be telling families who are very worried and alarmed, say, about high temperatures and small children to go and see your GP or to go south dock, but don't go to the A&E. But if you can't get to see a GP or the GP says you need to go in A&E, or you could be hours and hours and hours and hours waiting to get a South Dock appointment. Is it any wonder why they literally have to pile the child into the car and go to A&E? You were talking earlier about New Year's celebrations in Cork. Remember, we have a mayor that cancelled the turning on of the Christmas lights and nobody in the council stood up to her to get the decision reversed. So I'd say there's no desire from the powers that be within council to host festival gatherings in Cork 
anymore, says Desi. That is the case, except it was the city manager as opposed to the mayor. Um, but you are right. Uh, I don't think that city council uh, kicked up enough of a fuss about that. I wonder, though, would you be encouraging um, big gatherings now, you know, with the amount of sickness that are that is around, you know? I don't, listen, I, I don't want to be call, you know, attracting people who have different views on COVID, but there's a lot of sickness out there now. Well, it's not that I don't want to be attracting them, but I know you'll have people who blame COVID for everything. But I'm just wondering, you know, would, would big events like that now, albeit outdoor events, be seen to be super spreaders at this time? Anyway, your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Um, I hope to come back to the quietest new year in many a year on Side uh, in a few minutes' time. But Noel is standing by. First up, Maureen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Oh, I'm going to get to as many calls as I can. So your thoughts on uh, the incident at Killarney, I think, is it? Uh, yeah. Um, it's classic. It's classic. We told you so. We told you so time. What do you mean by that? Classic, we told you so. Wait, look, there's people out there, and I'm one of them. We've been saying this, but nobody, nobody wants to listen. You've all the do-gooders out there. Well, no, no, those that no, not, no, hang no, on a second. They're, they're all standing they... with their placards and we welcome everybody. We welcome this and that and the other. This is diversity for you. It's working out well, isn't it? Yeah, but by and large, we need diversity. We do. We need different oh, nationalities. Really? Is that the kind of diversity you need? Unfor- unfortunately, no. No, this, no. This no, is it's not. Not. no, it's not. This is not. And none of them. This none is of not these ideal. coming into this country should be here. None of them. Simple, none of them. Simple okay. as that. Okay. Why, none of these single men f- f- bringing in 100,000 of single men. Why? Where are all the women and children? Firstly, it's not hundreds of thousands. Yeah, thousands. Yeah. I said hundreds and I said and thousands. Okay, okay. Right? Yeah. So where are all the women and children? So what war-torn country are these men coming from? Uh, around half none. of the 400 um, are female. The rest are male, and unfortunately, a lot of them are in their 20s to 30 Please. males, well, and a lot of wondering. A all the busloads that we've seen coming in here, take East Wall and Dublin, uh, for example, any of these places, yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. males. They are, yeah, yeah. All in these places are all men. Yeah. I'm talking about the stabbings and assaults in Killarney. I am too. Yeah. yeah. That's the well. The, 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 what, what war torn country are, are the men in there fleeing from? They're not playing from any war-torn country. Oh, listen, we certainly you and have I know a, the dogs in the street know it. We certainly have a problem, and there's no point burying our heads in the sand. No, no, we can't bury our heads. But it's we, a we, I was one who never had my head buried in the sand. Because you, you don't take, want... Take, be, no, but take the like of England. England, the city is in England. England is finished. How? Look, look what's happening over there. Parts of cities been taken over where, where English people themselves, born and bred, can't even walk down the streets of these parts of the cities where it's been taken over. And they're aggressive, Neil, and there's no, we can't be burying our heads in the sand. But you, you, they're but we're, we're aggressive they ourselves. We're aggressive ourselves. Have, we break no, the laws ourselves. Listen. We carry weapons ourselves. We're before the courts ourselves. Yes. How many, huh? look back down to the years before all this started happening. The majority of crime and what's happening in this country is not being perpetrated by Irish people. And we have to get this straight. The here. majority of crime being perpetrated in Ireland is being perpetrated by Irish people. And no, I, it's I, not lately. No, it is not. Not on but the scale you, but we are seeing. I know that, but we have to be fair and accurate and balanced. And I will now have to go and I will get the statistics of the breakdown of crime by virtue right. of people's nationality. And I bet you that we're still ahead of anybody else in our own country. We've got to be. 
We have to be. What we're seeing now? Are you joking? I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. In Look, there's been different things coming out. In a calendar. No, I'm assuming. I'm assuming that those. No, I'm just assuming that those statistics are available for a calendar year. If they are, I'll get them for you. You can get them. I don't care what statistics are coming out. I, personally, in my opinion, every one of them should be taken and deported. They have no business here. Yeah. In what country? If, if, if something was going on here, if I'm being persecuted for one, say, say, reason, what it is, and I have to get out of here, I get off this island, I leave this island with a passport, and the next place I'm going to head to is the UK. I have to leave the UK with a passport to cross the Irish Sea. Yeah. And I get to France. Now, I get to France. I destroy my passport. I destroy every bit of identification I have. You tell me how I'm going to travel to 13 No, I understand that. And, that I and those that are destroying their documentation on airplanes and everything, I understand you are in, the, in a dem- democratic society, you are allowed to say and have an opinion to say that nobody who destroys their passport should be allowed into a country. I have no problem with that. Of course they shouldn't. But I'm, no, ask, they shouldn't. I'm asking you, is, have you got a blanket ban on all people who want to come here? Or is no. it just... No, no, you don't. Okay. No, I don't. Okay. I have no ban on a genuine person entering this country with a genuine reason, and that genuine reason can be traced back to the country they left to and why they left. Not a problem with that at all. But you see all too many of these young males coming from various yes. countries that, that, yes. that, haven't, that have not committed any crime yet, but you, you're worried that they might commit a crime, is it? Well, no. What crime are they committing in the country they left? Don't know. Well, I, 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 I do know. I do know. Of, I do are. know. Of, I, I do know of some cases where some have come from Eastern Europe. One in particular who murdered his wife came over here and then attempted to murder his yes, girlfriend. Yes, we saw so that. I, I, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. I heard that okay. as well. Okay. okay. You know, okay. the case of a Ukrainian man, and, and that's, you see that we're, 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 okay. but they're not Ukrainians. But what about the guy that had the, was it an arrow? Was it a bow and arrow or a crossbow yet? Where the hell did he get that? Don't tell me he brought that in with his luggage with him and he's coming from Ukraine. Let me see if I can get a breakdown by nationality with regards to criminality in Ireland in the past year or two years or five years or ten years to see what's available. I'll chat with you again then. Is that all right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Noel, good morning. Hi, Neil. Uh, I you... just wanted in there about... Um, if I went away for the weekend, or anybody here in Cork went away to Killarney or Kerry, and we got in trouble, you're automatically thrown out of the door, tells you're bad out of it. Without a doubt. What's going to happen with these people now? What's going to happen with these now that caused the fight in the weekend in Killarney, and that is up in court? Where were they going out? That court is not going to wait this morning, as you know. That case to be put on for another day. Where were they going out? Back to the hotel, is this? Um, well, at, at the moment, in guard of custody. No, but these people are in trouble, and there's plenty, there's plenty cameras in every hotel. Well, what I, my understanding of this is six, six arrests have been made so far, right? Um, they're currently detained at Tralee and Calarda Garda stations. Um, those that receive medical treatment following the incident have since been released from hospital. Um, I imagine that I don't know would they be held in custody until a court appearance would you not think 
to know for what if the left over on bail I mean the court okay, is not could, go ahead that could happen yeah will they go will they go back to the hotel will they be left in does the management have the right to throw them out the hotel which of course they have or is the government going to step in and say I'll leave them in because they're foreign again is this um, some would say that there should be an emergency court appearance a decision made there and then quickly and then perhaps have them deported if found guilty of a crime. Yeah. Yeah, well, because why we didn't have this, are you well, anybody? We're in trouble, we're automatically out the door. Okay. Okay. We're Irish. We're Irish. You understand? Why should there be different rules for them? Let me get some more calls and texts on it. Appreciate it. Thank you, Noel. Thank you, Maureen. Uh, why aren't people who behave like this being put on the first plane out of here? Send all troublemakers back. Ireland is just too scary a place now. Every town, city and village is no longer safe anymore. In fact, some of the texts that I received from people as to why it was so quiet for New Year's were saying that it's because the city isn't safe. Uh, criminal and violent acts should not have free legal aid. It should be taken out of whatever payments they receive. If a person scars or maims anyone else, they should be made to pay the person's costs for hospitals, plastic surgeons, therapy, and whatever other damage is caused. I still don't understand how we have council workers cleaning our streets and cutting down ditches. Community service should cover all of this. Don't even get me started on suspended sentences, which are a total joke. And that text actually suggesting that our courts, unfortunately, are still way out of touch. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM. Eight arrests out of the incident in Killarney now this morning. Eight arrests. Barry Roach told you this morning, Neil, you must have been listening, that the people involved in the incident in Killarney were from Georgia and Algeria. Yes, but there are other nationalities besides Georgian and Algerian living and staying in the hotel. But you are right in that regard. I found it fitting, says another texter, that you made a point in telling us how remorseful the Ukrainian man was who hit the elderly man a few years, a few days ago in a car crash and then drove off in West Cork. Potty Palmer, the broadcaster, whom I know personally, Neil, could have died by the side of the road after that man drove off. But I suppose it's what we've come to expect from these government mouthpiece media outlets these days. Downplay any incident involving foreign nationals to port all criminal non-nationals, I would say. Um, Thank you for that. Uh, we were actually covering that with uh, Barry Roach from the Irish Times. He was covering the court appearance of the man before the courts who, in court, said that he was very remorseful. Uh, I'm not using that in any way, shape, as an excuse for what happened. Uh, I know Paddy Palmer and I wish him a 100% recovery, don't we all? I think Barry was just covering what was being said in court um, at the court appearance of the man before the courts. It was um, an awful thing to happen to Paddy Palmer and I hope that he makes a 100% recovery uh, to drive away like that of course uh, I don't think anybody uh, could make any light of that not for a moment but thank you for your contribution nonetheless good God it's the government who's putting people in this situation the great government run media keep pushing the same agenda um, doing a great job at keeping people annoyed at refugees I see everybody blames the refugees um, but it's but when you when you say things like that it's like it's like as if you you want to disallow anybody from having a point of view or having any conversation at all about the incidents that we've been talking about this morning for fear of upsetting people you know it has to be spoken about it really and truly does but in the same breath then Marika 
Unfortunately, I couldn't get through by phone this morning. So if you can't get through, it's very busy. You can always do as, as uh, Marika did, email Neil at redfm.ie. She says, I tried to get through, but I couldn't. But I can't believe the subject of refugees and asylum seekers is still being discussed. Why, Marika, why, why do you say still being discussed when we have time after time after time incident over Christmas and New Year involving people from, from overseas? Sorry, Neil, I just missed that because it went off. Why, why do you say that the subject of refugees, asylum seekers is still being discussed? It's very relevant. Um, Hotel Killarney is an example of that. It is relevant. I think it's the way it's being discussed, Neil. You know, I'm, um, I've, you, you'll have to fill me in on what happened with that Ukrainian man who attacked somebody. That that sounds awful shocking because I haven't actually read about that. However, I think just for me, this week, it's our Christmas week. And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking it, it's going on and on and on about Ukrainian refugees and this and that and the other. Now, just before Christmas, because I, li- I, I hear all your shows, you spoke to many a person who phoned in to talk about sending the paddy boxes over to family mem- members abroad. Yes. And one lady uh, whose daughter had gone to Melbourne um, for a better life was talking to you and I was I was thinking then but what's the difference we're talking about uh, three different groups of foreign people we're talking about refugees fleeing war Ukrainians Syrians and Afghans we're talking about economic mi- migrants who who want to live in Ireland for a better life it's understandable there's a lot of Irish people going elsewhere because they they too want to have a better life and then you've got the asylum seekers and they are coming over for other, other re- reasons and I know it's still in the papers I know it's still important it's just I can't believe the amount of people that are still talking about it I think you know people ought to be exhausted by it by now and be going on to other things just like what for instance um, we talk of Eight arrests now, say, for instance, in Killarney. And I don't know the nationality of those that were arrested, at least not all of them. But I do know there's like 13 or 14 different nationalities in the hotel. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You you referenced a Ukrainian national who was slashed, um, apparently, with a a broken bottle. Um, Now, the Gardaí um, have uh, arrested a Latvian man. Are you saying that when we talk about these things, we shouldn't mention Ukrainian, we shouldn't mention Latvian, we shouldn't mention Brazilian, we shouldn't mention Algerian, and we shouldn't mention um, any country of origin we're reporting a crime? No, don't mean that at all, Neil. No way do I mean that. It's really difficult to put into words what I actually mean. I think because I'm feeling it hard now. I'm half Ukrainian myself and I'm feeling it hard now with the way that things have turned out over there, going from bad to worse. And I see the refugees over here as well um, in Manchester where I live. And I think I'm just feeling stop blaming refugees for everything that goes on. Stop blaming asylum seekers. You had a lady on there just before the break. Um, I've heard her be before. It's people like her who annoy me. People like that Derek Bly who annoy me. I'm not saying that people shouldn't talk about it because didn't, it is didn't, an didn't Derek Bly? Didn't Derek Bly warn us, though, that incidents like what happened in Killarney would happen? 
Derek Blight McNeil is a bigoted man from what I've heard about him and I've done a little bit of reading up about him as well. All right, well, and I, I, won't, go, think, I won't drill you know, into any detail for him not being here to defend himself, but he did warn of this and others are saying we are seeing more and more criminality as every year passes and perhaps that's because we have more migration into Ireland. Okay, well, there's another... There's, there's another reason for criminality in Ireland as well, Neil, and that's the Irish. And before, just move well, around a little bit, so Marika, I'm because not, you're breaking up a little bit. Ah, uh, sorry, I'm saying um, <clears throat> there's also the Irish criminals in in Ireland, Neil. And uh, before anybody says anything, I'm also half Irish, so I'm not prejudiced against against the I- I- Irish people. Um, there, there's drugs gangs in Ireland. <clears throat> there's criminal gangs in Ireland. These people are Irish. Wherever you go in the world, there's crime. <clears throat> but Excuse me, but what I really object to is the way that it's put about that it's just foreign people coming into Ireland or England or France or Germany who are caught causing the problems. And it isn't, you know, each country has people of its own who are involved in crime and the finger can't just be pointed at people from other countries that's what I mean when I say people are just looking at the start of the story and they're not looking at the centre or the end of the story it's just a newspaper headline or it's just a story don't don't you have a big big growing problem in the UK with, with division within society don't you and within cities and suburbs that have become very much exclusively exclusive to one race or one religion isn't isn't that happening on a large scale i think that happens everywhere in the world though and the, and the thing with england is it's quite unique in one way and uh different from ireland because england's always had its class consciousness and ireland hasn't Ireland hasn't been class conscious. England has, so anybody coming into England. And the same thing applies now to a lesser scale. Anybody coming to England from another country is all Do you not accept that there has to be some kind of vetting or some sort of border control better than what exists at the moment? Yes, I do. And that's what I put in my email. I do, because the last thing anybody wants any country wants or needs are criminals sneaking in because each country has enough of its own. I do agree. You know, the open border policy sounds great in theory, but I was never for it in practice. Never. Um, In your email, you say, I understand that Ireland is a little country which can't take the world and his wife, but as far as Ukrainians are concerned, the majority will go back at the end of war, and you are right there. Syrians and Afghans, not so fortunate. They too are fleeing. Um, But you speak personally, though, from the point of view of your own mum and dad. Talk a little about that. When my mum came over to England... um, From Ireland. From Ireland, she came to do her nurse training and she was shocked by the prejudice that she encountered at that time. We're talking, I think, 1949, 1950, when she came over. Uh, she she was shocked because, I mean, it's horrible to say, Neil, English people would say things like, all oh, the Irish are thick, they're stupid, they're dirty, they don't wash. You know, that's what she had to put up with. And not just her, there was a lot of Irish girls came over to do nursing. Um, you know, Why do they believe they that? Made- Why do they believe that about us, that, they were, that we were thick, 
that we were dirty, that we didn't wash, that we were ignorant? I don't know. I don't know, Neil, but I grew up with that. I know, drunk as well, yeah. All the Irish are good for is drink. It's totally horrible. I really don't know what the basis of that is. I really don't know. I had to grow up going to school with... I had a geography teacher, geography teacher of all subjects, who told me that my dad was a Russian and probably in the KGB and that my mum being Irish was probably in the IRA. Oh, my God. And I remember, yeah, and I remember turning around to him. I was 15 at the time, and I said, well, my mum wasn't in the IRA, but, but my granddad was, and that's true. And he just looked at me, and then I was told off and sent to see the headmaster. Even then, nineteen seventy-five. Even then, and even now. Where did your dad come from? If you're half Ukrainian, he was Ukrainian, wasn't he? He was Ukrainian. He he had no choice but to come to England because he was in concentration camps politically as a political prisoner. So when the camps got freed and he had to go to any country that he was sent to, he had no choice. And And how was he treated when he arrived? Um, suspiciously, because he was foreign, to the point that when he was buying a house, the woman over the road, when she found out that he wasn't English, she tried to start up a petition against him being able to move here. That's how bad it was, Neil. And do you think that we here in Ireland are suspicious of others? I never used to think so. I used to think um, that the Irish, having gone through what they've gone through in the past have more understanding and empathy. And we wish to have, but then we have incidents like we hear this morning, say, for instance, out of Killarney, the worries up about an east wall, the incidents before the courts of late, the different assaults, the bottling, the fighting, I, I, the murders, the violence. I know. For those that, from those that are here from another country and we're wondering, oh my God, this is a harbinger of worse to come. I understand that. I I do understand that, Neil. I mean, each country has to look after its own. It does. I do agree with that. You know, I'm not not against um, countries putting their own interests first. Don't get me wrong. But it seems to me that there's so much concentrating going on on criminals or or problems from people from other countries. Uh, Every country has to look at its own. But we, but we weren't we weren't problems. covering these kind of stories on air with people before courts for very serious crimes in as much volume as te- 10 years ago. See. It's possible, yes, I do agree with that as well. I mean, I saw some stuff going on in Dublin with a certain community from abroad and that did, didn't look good either. And I, and I too think sometimes when I go to another country if you really are fleeing from something or you really want a better life, why go to another country and then behave in that way but as I say I typed that email, uh, Neil I couldn't get through um, because this week of all weeks it's the Christmas week for Ukrainians, although they're going to move away from that date I believe they want to have a more westernised Christmas now from now on but it's just hits me hard because um, I watch the news, I know what's going on, I'm privy to certain bits of information of what's going on in Ukraine 
and it's much, much worse than anything that ever gets reported. So, you know, I just ask for a little bit of compassion. I'm not saying people will agree with me or understand what I'm okay. saying, just a little bit of compassion, at least this week, okay. for Ukrainians. But as far as Syrians, Afghans, Georgians, this, that and the other, no country is perfect. Every country has its bad elements as well, including Ukraine. Well, yes, I know, but people would wish that we weren't importing the bad element. Well, I can understand that because no country wants to import the bad element. Yeah. And quite honestly, Neil, I would say any country has the right then to deport somebody okay. Okay. who they who who they know to be a bad element. Okay. I'm not against that at all. Okay. Okay. Happy Happy New Year to you, Marika. Thanks for your contribution. Um, you happy New Year to you as well, Neil. Stay Thank you, uh, Marika, in Manchester. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back after the break. The Neil Brendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Okay, uh, a lot of text this morning because uh, we actually posed this question on, on Facebook overnight as well about the quietest new year on Side in many long year. I told you about that earlier. Margaret says, I haven't gone out in town for years. I've been uh, better comfort at home with the fire and a few drinks and a nice bit of food. There's no queuing or no cold and lots of people over their limit or drinking or shouting. I can't be doing with this anymore. Lots of people go to their local where there's no messing unlike what happens in the city. Um, another one, I haven't gone out for New Year's since my 20s. It's a young person's night out. I couldn't deal with the queues at the bar, people falling around drunk and standing in the cold, waiting to pay €25 Euro for a taxi ride 10 minutes away from home. I prefer dancing around the front room, cosy and warm. Uh, the best New Year's I've ever had was in Sydney, though, in 2003. Uh, mind you, Vania says that in Portugal, it's quite the celebration. Most hotels have good deals that will include a meal, plus food and drinks throughout the night. Entertainment, and you can stay over if you wish. Can we say the same about Cork? Uh, Restaurants offer great deals as well. Surprised it doesn't happen here. Most hotels and restaurants would profit enough to make up for the Christmas week if the prices were reasonable. Peter says, a nice meal, relax at home, watch the telly, it's much safer. There are too too much carrying on in the city. Too many Stanley knives being carried. It's a different level of danger nowadays. Uh, Sean says, nobody went out in town because there was absolutely nothing happening or worth going into. Cork never has any events or things for people to go out and enjoy. The only thing people can do in the city is get blind drunk. It's about time Cork started to organise some family-friendly events every now and then. And there's just one or two, actually. I've got reams more. Hopefully I'll get to them uh, before midday today. If not, I'll pick it up in the morning. But I did tell you the story. A lot of tragedy and a lot of incidents in the greater Cork area over Christmas and early in the new year. And one of them was the tragic death of a pensioner killed in a house fire in court, in the court uh, in Water Park near Carrigaline Town Centre. An elderly man died in the house fire, uh, named locally as Sean Lynch. He was a, an 86-year-old man and many, many people, of course, are left devastated by his loss. Um, amongst them, of course, uh, David, who joins me by phone. David, good morning. Hi, Neil. We're talking about your poor dad, Sean. Um, and our condolences, David, our condolences on the tragic thank, loss. Thank you. Um, you had come back to Cork, wasn't that right, from Dublin. You're a software engineer, software developer, to care for your dad, is that right? Uh, that's correct. Uh, he, he struggled a lot um, after my mum, Noreen, um, 
passed away six years ago and uh, um, you know I, I, I came back to kind of uh, lend a hand and um, I guess um, I, I was trying to make the best of kind of coming up and down from Dublin but when the pandemic uh, and the lockdown um, struck I was um, with him all, uh, full time and uh, you know he, he, he in some way, he was he was glad of, of the call. I'm sure he was, and as a son, it was very commendable of you what you did. In fairness, in fairness, um, I don't mean to dwell too much on what happened, of course, that led to the tragic loss of your of your dad, but it sounds to me as if it was quite a devastating fire that has destroyed the home, has it? Yes, uh, it, it, there's extensive damage from the fire. It, uh, it, most of the roof is gone and, and the fire spread uh, to all the rooms in the house. And was it December 23rd? Had you, had you gone shopping or, or something for the, for the upcoming Christmas dinner or something or, or what? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Um, uh, myself and my dad had gone shopping um, in the afternoon. Oh, with your dad, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but also then, uh, so when we when we got home afterwards, I, I made him uh, dinner. Uh, we had, we had it at seven o'clock, and um, then uh, I was leaving uh, him by the fireplace around seven thirty. Um, I, I went over to get him a few more bits and pieces uh, in, uh, in Lidl. In Lidl and Duns, yeah, just just in in the village there. Um, uh, and I, I, I left him by the fireplace and, and his, his, his dog Romeo was by his feet. Um, he was just finishing his dessert and, I, you know, I, I said I wouldn't be long. Um, and it was when I was over in, in Duns then that I heard the um, the, the siren from the, 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 the fire station beside the supermarket. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I was just hoping in the back of my mind they, they weren't going anywhere near our place. It was just when I was driving back then into the uh, uh, into the estate that I, I saw all the commotion. Oh my God! It must have looked it, surreal it, to you, hard to believe that this was happening, having been in the house only moments before. It, it, yeah, it, 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 it was just just a waking nightmare. I, I, I couldn't quite comprehend it, and. Uh, um, I, I just, I was just trying to call my dad, um, you know, uh, on the phone, but but it it wasn't connecting or anything. <sighs> but nine o'clock on the evening of the twenty third, that would have been the the Friday before Christmas, the day before Christmas Eve. And Correct. do we have do we have any idea what happened at all, David? Um, I I didn't uh, get. It. I talked to the crime forensics unit, but the. the they couldn't say it definitively, but uh, I can only assume it, it, you know something must have come out of the fire. Maybe my dad dozed off a little bit because he, he'd normally go for an afternoon nap, uh, but we we had been shopping in Douglas in the afternoon, so maybe he was a little more tired than usual. Oh, it's so tragic. It's so, so sad. And it's so recent for you, only a number of days ago. And also... Your man passing away six years ago, you coming home to look after your dad and making a new life with him. It's just awfully unfair. Life can be so unfair, can't it? It's just, just, just kind of makes, makes you realize how quickly things can, 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 can change like the flick of a switch, just how quickly things 
just turn around. And the consequences of this, notwithstanding the loss of your beautiful dad, of course, is the family home. Um, I was just reading about the extensive damage that was done to the property with, without any house insurance. And many people have not been able to renew their house insurance. You're not alone there. Yeah, un- un- unfortunately, uh, that that's the uh, situation. Um, have you lost all of your belongings, everything... That was personal to the family. Yes, I, I you know, in, in, in the days that passed, I, I kind of um, sifted through some of the debris. I, 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 I found um, um, some photos in a photo album, but you know, the, most of it was damaged. But in the center, there were uh, one or two photos I could salvage. So that 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 for me was like a something to to treasure and hold on to. (sighs) Something was spared. Some few photographs and mementos. Where do you you live now? At at the moment, I'm... uh, Some some neighbours have kindly um, uh, rented out a flat to me. (sighs) Nearby in in Carrigaline as well. I know. Kind neighbours have come to your assistance in the short term. But you must, you must be living a nightmare, you know. So happy, the two of you, Christmas week, bit of shopping done, you know, getting ready for Christmas Day, having the dinner, popping out to get another couple of messages, messages and, and your dad's life is, is tragically snatched from him in a house fire. What, what will you do going forward now with regards to the, the family home, I wonder? Um, well, I, I, first of all, I need... Um uh, to to um, get get a structural engineer to assess if the if the structure of the house is, is safe or if it must be demolished, um, so I, I'm making an appeal if 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 someone with that kind of professional expertise, um, you know, <laughs> would be able to assist me. A, a structural engineer to come in and to assess the damage to see if the house is worth saving structurally or would need to exactly. be demolished is it yes yes that would be that would be the, uh, the, the the first step as i understand it and how are you for for clothing and you know necessities that you need to you know get by on a day to day basis well, well I, I i want to take the opportunity to um, thank everyone in the neighborhood and, and the wider community um, for their, their help and, and, and goodwill. And They've been very kind. You're not in need of anything in that regard? No. Okay. A structural engineer or a company that does this kind of assessment on the property after Fire Brigade are finished now and on Garda Shikana are finished. Dad's yes. bur- and, and Dad, Sean, is, is buried and everything now at this stage? Yes, well, he, we had the funeral for him on um, the 29th of December. Oh, my God. And, and just just to add as well, um, when, he, when he met my mom, he would have introduced himself as John, so uh, many people would have known him as John as well. And just with regards to your mom and dad, were they local to Carrigaline, both of them? Um, no, uh, they... they they, my dad would have grown up in St. Luke's in Knocklawn. And your mam Noreen? She would have been from Abbeyfield in County Limerick. Right. I wonder where did they meet? Do you know? 
Um, they, they they met at a at a dance. Um, I'm I'm not too sure uh, who would have organised it, but uh, it would have been in the uh, the late sixties. I know, I know, I know. Eighty six year old, and and of course he took the loss of his wife, Noreen, your man, very hard, didn't he? It didn't come easy for him because a lifelong partner like that, you know, that was hard. That was hard. Eighty. Yes, they they were married for forty five years, and and he he adored her. Um, even even after she passed, he, he he told me he dreamt of her every night, at least for the, the first three or four years after. after uh, she passed. Such was the love. Such was the love. Listen, if 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 we can, if we have somebody listening who is involved in that type of business, a structural engineer, an engineering company that might like to get involved to meet with you or to come and assess the damage to the family home to see what the next stage may be, um, whether that might be. Um, salvageable as a property or indeed needs to be and hopefully it's not the case that it would need to be demolished I'll put them in touch with you okay Thank you Neil I, I appreciate that um, I, I, I'm also in, in need of uh, Skip to clear out the debris um, if, if anyone can uh, Okay Okay. No listen it's, 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 it's important that you picked up the phone and took the call because uh, people will want to help whether it's an engineering firm or indeed a skip our company, I would encourage them to get in touch with me right now and reach out if they can help, all right? Thank you again, Neil. I'm very grateful. I know, I know. Our condolences with you, David, on the loss of your dad, Sean Lynch. Thank you so much for taking the call. I know it wasn't easy. I'll be back to you if and when we have people who would like to help, all right? Thank you. Okay, David, all the best for now. Well, lads, um, I don't think I need to recap in any way, shape or form. If you think you're in a position to help this tragic loss of uh, David's dad, Sean. Do get in touch with me, please. Text 0868104106 if you feel you may be able to assist. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. And to everybody who lost a loved one or family member over the Christmas period, our condolences are with you all. And we lost some very good people on Leaside in the recent few weeks. And lads, I have very sad news for you. One of the great contributors to this program and one of the loveliest people and we had lots and lots of fun down through the years with the Golden Girls and I'm very saddened to hear that one of the Golden Girls, Anne, Anne Mulcahy passed away peacefully yesterday morning surrounded by her family. She was 84 years of age uh, and thank you to her daughter-in-law Fiona who got in touch to tell us the sad news of the passing of one of the Golden Girls and Mulcahy, we had some crack with them. You'll know the Golden Girls, um, particularly before COVID and even through COVID herself and Sheila O'Mahony and the girls. They would all gather and would continue to do so, I'm sure, at places like the High Cafe at the Wilton Shopping Centre every Tuesday for the bit of banter and stuff like that. And we we celebrated with them over the years. And I was saddened to hear uh, that Anne Mulcahy passed away yesterday morning. Here's a little snippet of one of my conversations on the air. In this little piece of audio, you'll hear two of the Golden Girls. You'll hear Sheila at the beginning and then the late Anne Mulcahy um, as we, um, you know, nattered along in studio uh, some time back when they popped into studio. So first up, you'll hear Sheila and then you'll hear the late Anne, two wonderful women. Thank you for being a friend. They meet apparently on a weekly basis, always on a Tuesday, and they're treated like royalty in the High Cafe 
in Wilton. And I'm happy to say that Chilo Mahoney and Anne Mulcahy have travelled in from Ballyfehan to join us in studios. Good morning to both of you. Morning. Good morning, Neil. You're royalty in uh, the Wilton Shopping Centre, I've told us. We That's are well known out there. Yeah. And we'd go into Highburger. So we said we'd go there on a Tuesday. And you still do that? And we still do it. Just talking. What do you talk about for four or five hours? A Everything week? about long ago when we had only rubber dollies. You wouldn't remember them now. They were only the shoes. I do. They're famous today. I do. We talk about a bit of news. We talk about what you'll be talking about <laughs> in the morning. That's why right. we love your talk program. We listen to it every morning. <laughs> and, and how it, many of you would gather? Uh, about eight, eight or nine of us would gather there. And that's amazing going on out for years and uh, we had a good old chat Thank you for being a friend A good old chat says Anne Mulcahy um, and her good buddy who was also featured in that little piece of audio is the one and only Sheila O'Mahony Sheila good morning Sheila can you hear me alright? I can uh, Listen I oh. just I just wanted to say ah. we're all heartbroken with the news so sorry to hear about uh, about Anne's passing can you hear me alright? I can, Neil. I know. You're heartbroken? I am. She God love us. She's a great old friend. We had good old laughs. And we were in Killarney a couple of times, you know, for just the weekend. I know. I know. I know. I know. And she was lovely. Great sport. We used to stay in the room, the two of us. And I can see. I can see the two of you sitting here in front of me, right across the desk, right now. You on the left, and Anne on the right, looking resplendent, right. <laughs> like a million dollars. Not in rubber dollies, mind you, in the finest of gear. Rest in peace. I hope she's rest in peace. I hope she's doing his right hand to her husband. I know. I know. I know. And come here. You'll. 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 You'll carry on. In her honour oh, and her will, memory. And we always mention her. And she's, she was lovely. She was a dote, wasn't she? She was. Yeah, she yeah. was. And the remaining and Golden Girls will continue as a group. Well, oh, we will be still meet on the Tuesday and on a, a Friday. Yeah. So, so I know, ah, Sheila, sure, I know. It's so sad. It's so sad. It really is. Yeah, whether we're talking about someone or we might have a bit of news, we'd continue. Yeah, and you'll include <laughs> her. You'll include her in all of the chats. It's the end of an oh. era, but you have oh, many. Oh God, we will. You have many happy memories, don't you? Sure, we went on um, um, a cruise together, and we have lovely photos. Where did you go on the cruise? We went to Italy and I can't remember because I made a choice. <laughs> but you know it was Italy anyway and it was on the water. Yeah, how, it was. How many of you went? Um, nine of us. Oh my God. Well, and we had a great time. Well, what, what have you planned for 2023? Wow, the graveyard. <laughs> I'm not, don't be in any rush. Don't be in any rush. But listen, um, continue doing what you're doing, being young at heart, and we'll remember. It's true. We'll remember. Uh, Why am I living so long? I, I said, I don't know. 
He doesn't want me. He doesn't want you just yet. <laughs> I said there's no room in the inn. But Anne will be waiting for you when the time is she right. Is. But not she any is. time soon. All right, Sheila. Look yeah, after okay. yourself. All right, girls. Thanks, Neil. Stay Thanks in touch. Take care. Take care. Bye. Lines will stay open. Text 0868104106. An incredibly busy start to the first programme of the new year. You can get in touch by email, neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.